Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We are very excited. We have a special guest with us today. It's Kristen Bray of As Goes Wisconsin. And we're going to talk about a whole bunch of Wisconsin stuff. But before we get started, we just want to let everybody know November 4th will be our second live show ever at the Green Bay Parker Johns Thursday, November 4th at 6.30. So come hang out with us. We're going to have a bunch of Packer discussion. It's going to be a lot of fun, just like today. So we want to welcome in our guest. Um, how are you doing today, Kristen? I'm great. I'm uh, enjoying that it's still in the 70s in uh, it's almost October. So, like that. Yeah, it was it was warm today picking up the, the stepson from school. I was wearing jogging pants and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sweating out here. Yeah, what, what is this teacher sure. taking so long? <laughs> All right. So, before we start asking you questions, I want to know what did you think of the game on Sunday night? I, I mean, obviously very happy with the outcome, but I, I certainly, when they, when the 49ers scored, so I should give background. So I lived in San Francisco for six years. So like, and I had never, I've never had a more uh, intense football watching experience than going because it was when candlestick was still there. And so I went in my Packers Jersey, it was fall 2013 and we lost. We lost the game. I still feared for my life. Like the amount, like how aggressive 49ers fans. So I kept watching the game and just having that flashback of like watching all the Packer fans were there. I was like, please get out alive. Cause like we lost. And I was thinking that I was going to get like beat up. Um, So that's the context I go into watching the 49er uh, Packer games now. But I thought, (laughs) I mean, I I definitely, because I think still from week one, was thinking like, oh, they scored. We're not going to blow this out. But my boyfriend was like, nope, we're winning this game. And then we did. And so that was – I just love all the memes that have – of all the, like, the Packer fans who were there. They're like, oh, yeah, they're cheering. There's 37 seconds left. Like, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I feel very bad that you have PTSD still from 2013 about 49ers fans. It was just I – think, I think I've been so spoiled of, or, like, we're all so spoiled of, like, not just Packer fans, but Wisconsin fans in general are just really nice. Like I have a buddy yeah. who is a, who's Trey Young's agent and he what? came in for the first, uh, the first game. And he was like, everyone here is so nice. Like everyone that I've dealt with in the Bucks, like in the Bucks franchise, all the people I've met, like everyone is just so nice. And so I feel like I got really spoiled of just thinking about how nice fans are and like how and like didn't realize how especially like my friends who were 49ers fans and lived in san francisco like we would like cordially like joke with each other about like competitive stuff but like no i was never like thinking as my life my life was gonna get threatened yeah (laughs) but i feel like that happens between like oakland you hear a story about like oakland uh or like the rate like when the raiders were in oakland like eagles fans are supposedly like the worst uh and yeah 49ers fans not very nice I got two things on that. One, you don't really realize how nice Wisconsin people are until you travel, right? Like I've traveled to, you know, Albuquerque. I've traveled to Phoenix. You know, I have a buddy out there. And, you know, you say hi or how you doing or how's your day in Wisconsin. And people be like, oh, good. How you doing? Out there, they just kind of look at you like, 
the hell are you talking to me for, man? Yeah. I don't know you. And then Vikings fans are pretty bad. I went to the game. Oh, uh, God, this was a couple years ago, year before LaFleur was here. And the Vikings came in. They That's when they went to the NFC Championship game and got beat up by the Eagles. Um, but the, uh, me and my buddy sat in the section with all Vikings fans. Oh, my God, they were terrible, dude. Really? They were terrible okay. the whole game. And it was freezing. And I was just like, bro, I'm just not enjoying this. I spent so much money on these tickets. It was for his birthday and everything. And I was like, that sucked. Freaking Hundley was the starter, and he sucked, obviously. We know that. So that was – that was a terrible experience. That was the last Packer game I've been to, and now I can't go back because tickets are like 300 bucks a piece. <laughs> so expensive. Last Packer game I was at was a Packers-Dolphins game when Brock Osweiler was starting, so that uh, that went much better for the Packers. Yeah. That's a good, yeah, that's a good one. So our buddy James said uh, there's Southern, Southern hospitality is a real thing, so maybe we'll have to travel south instead of southwest. <laughs> I would like to go. I have a friend who went to ba- uh, Alabama, and I'd love to go see an Alabama game with her. And like, first, like, I have, I just haven't spent much time in the South, but I feel like that is like an experience to have. It goes with someone who's a, a Bama alumni and experienced one of those games. That I just had a buddy that went to a Georgia game last week because one of his best friends is a Georgia Bulldog fan, and he was talking about it, saying how incredible it was. And he's yeah. a big, big Wisconsin fan, so. For him to like say that Georgia was that cool, that would, that would kind of yeah. shocked me. You know, I mean, they take football like it's another like the next level. I feel like down there. Well, the thing that's also weird about the South is on game days for college game days, all the girls wear like dresses. Like everyone dresses up, which I think is hilarious. Like I remember being in uh, Nashville for uh, a bachelorette party because that's what you do in Nashville, and uh, it was like a football Saturday, and just all these chicks were in dresses, and my girlfriends and I were not. We're definitely not in dresses um and definitely did not <laughs> ever wear dresses to a football game they're like this is weird but okay <laughs> yeah i don't know how i'd feel about that but i have to wear a suit and tie to the game <laughs> yeah like the guys are in like buttoned up suits and like khakis and like looking super preppy and the girls Ooh. are in sundresses it's strange but whatever tradition we should tradition. invite tim dillard to a, a, a football game in the south and i'll wear tuxedo t-shirts I mean, hey, whatever. We could do that. I'm game. I always want to go to Packer Road games because, like, for a living, I talk shit. Like, that's that's my favorite thing to do in life. I just love to talk shit to people and rile them up. I'm a nice guy at the end of the day. But I always want to go to a road game and just talk shit because we still have Aaron Rodgers, so we're probably going to win. But I don't know. Maybe not San Francisco because I might die. I would, yeah. I always say pick your spots. Sketchy. Not so Chicago, either, give you a- even though that would be really fun. I would love to go to a away yeah. game in Chicago. That would be amazing. Although a Wisconsin team just had a very bad experience in Chicago this last mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, that was very rough. Very bad. Very bad. So I, I wanted to give you a chance jokes. to uh, – oh, Jake keeps talking. <laughs> Sorry about that. Give you a chance to tell us what your, what your page is about and what your content is all about. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I started a social media – channel i guess we could call it but you can find it on facebook's uh instagram tiktok and i'm on twitter um and i basically make short videos that are everything to do with wisconsin so basically the tagline is moving wisconsin forward one joke at a time and while it's uh original mission when i started it last year was to get out the vote and so a lot of the, the uh, videos last year were showing people how to get their absentee ballot, how to register to vote, reminding people to vote, talking about different candidates who are running, but all in the context of Wisconsin, because I feel like 
you know, there's so much national news that you can get. There's so many different outlets that cover, you know, you got Vox, you got Vice, you got CNN, you got uh, MSNBC, you got uh, Fox, you got, there's just so much, so many shows out there that cover national stuff. And not that we don't have great local journalists, but I feel like the way to get local and state news is there's not as much like entertaining fun stuff. And so I was like, Oh, how do I, how do I kind of take what like the daily show or last week tonight or some of these like political comedians do, but like do it for Wisconsin. And so last year was mostly a lot of um, voting stuff. And then once the election was over, I was like, all right, how do I evolve this? And it kind of became like, like a lot of politics and news, but it's also, I'm a huge sports fan. So it feels like really fun to do all this, like the sports stuff. I've done a couple of videos where like when I went up North, I covered, covered like going up to like the Minocqua area. Cause I'd never been up there. I just went to Minota and made a bunch of videos. So it's like the core of it's definitely news and politics and trying to like have a more fun conversation about current events in Wisconsin, but mm-hmm. sprinkled in kind of all the fun stuff about Wisconsin as well. What's your favorite part about Wisconsin? Oof. See, that one's heavy. That's a heavy question. That's heavy. It's funny. For me, it's a I, really easy answer. So the thing for me is like, I was gone for 17 years. So I moved to LA when I was 16 to be an actress. Uh, I grew up in Madison. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then <laughs> wow. I spent, I was in LA for five years. Then I went to Berkeley. Then I was in San Francisco. Then I was in New York. And then I went back to LA. And I basically got stuck at my parents' house in central Wisconsin uh, during COVID. And like, I was, I never thought I was going to move back here. I thought like I kind of like had built a life on the coast and whatever. And I think like, I think it's honestly the, I feel like it's a, I don't know, this is a cheesy answer, but I feel like it's the people. Like, I feel like in starting as goes Wisconsin, how quickly I was able to get other people's help or advice or like every call I had as I was like trying, I was like, I have this idea to do this thing. I got introduced to three more people, right? And there was follow-up and there was just people like, and after living in such big cities, like where it just feels like such a hustle and a grind and you feel so uh, like insignificant in so many ways, but like being back and how quickly it was that you can be able to like start something and people actually wanting to help and like it getting picked up and people appreciating it and stuff like that. So I feel like, something in there, I think, as far as like the ability to like connect with people and people following up on their desire to help and contribute. That's a much nicer answer than I was thinking. I was just going to say cheese curds. (laughs) (laughs) That is it. Both are very valid reasons. I'm just going to say that both are very valid reasons. Very valid reasons. Yeah. I would say the cheese curds, not the same. Not even if you find them outside of Wisconsin, they're not nearly as good because they're definitely not fresh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's 100% true. And the deep fried ones are better than the regular ones. I'm just going to end the conversation right there. I don't like the regular ones. I'm not a big fan. The squeaky... It's really different. I mean, the, the deep fried ones are basically like a better version of mozzarella sticks, right? As far as like, they're just not and, as unique. And you have I to think. get them from Culver's. That's the rules. I don't make them, but that is the rules. Culver's, cheese curds, the goats. I almost did that today. I was like, so I'm slight. I have to be honest, but I'm like slightly hungover. It was my one year anniversary. So we uh, <laughs> were a little overserved last night. And I was like needing some like hungover food. But then I was late for a meeting and I was like, Culver's is going to take too long. But like, that's exactly what I was craving was the uh, Culver's cheese curds. 
If you're in Wisconsin, there's almost no bad cheese curds to get. Like Parker John's has good cheese curds. Culver's has good cheese curds. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings has good cheese curds, and it comes with a sauce. Like had them from there. From Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah, I don't think I've. I've... Oh, they're they're like they're a little bit thinner, and then they come with like a buffalo ranch sauce. Oh, that's good. And they do white and yellow cheese, so they make. I like it because I feel like it's also like. Like coming back, and so I never did fish fry growing up because my mom's allergic to fish, and so like that was like my for a long time my like one Wisconsin thing is like I'm a Wisconsin like from Wisconsin, but I've never done a fish fry. Well, now I date someone who like insists on getting fish fry every Friday. Um, but that's what I also I feel like cheese curds are kind of like a fish fry. It's like like there's so much like so much variation between like the batter and the type of fish and like how how long you fry it and stuff like that. So it's fun to they're not all the same. Um, so a bunch of comments here. Some time. people saying, "Damn cheese heads." Jake's dad said, "Don't forget brats." My sister in Texas said she's missing fresh cheese curds. It's a thing. It's an emotional. It it's an emotional gut reaction. <laughs> my my dad loves my dad loves venison brats. To be completely honest with you, and those are very good. Ooh, venison brats are fire, venison and venison brats. steaks are even know. better. Venison steaks are the best. Venison really beef jerky is good too. So good. Oh my gosh! I believe it. I haven't had it. Have to try it. Oh well, I'll just give you one of my cousin's deers. He kills like twelve of them a year. He's a monster. The guy loves hunting. He's just he's a marksman. Corey, man, he's he's the best. Old fashioned. Oh, there here. Oh, here we go. Dad's bringing up the alcohol. Here we go. <laughs> I wanted to talk about sports because that's my favorite thing. So, what I was going to ask you is, what is your favorite Wisconsin sports memory? So my favorite Wisconsin, so my dad played uh, basketball for the Badgers in the seventies. So like, that's kind of where the core of my Wisconsin fandom, (laughs) what'd you say? said, you're the coolest person ever. What the hell is going on? (laughs) So yeah. So my dad, my dad's six, eight, like played basketball from Wisconsin Rapids. Um, So like, I joke that I sat on Bucky Badger's lap more than Santa's growing up because like we were just always at Badger events and um And so my dad's senior year of playing for the Badgers was Bo Ryan's first year as an assistant coach. So this was like 77. So since then, like Bo Ryan is one of my dad's best friends. And so once Bo got the coaching job, obviously the the reign of Bo and how good they were. So we Mm -hmm. went as a family, we all went in 2014 to the final four and like, I, at that point, had been living in San Francisco. And, like, again, I kind of – I had left so for so long and kind of felt like, oh, I'm not going to – I loved Wisconsin, but I didn't think I was moving back. And so at the Final Four, it was, like, so many family friends of, like, people who've known me since I was born because they're, like, my parents' college friends and stuff. And I remember, like, specifically all of the songs. Like, you know, like, you'll have not heard a song from your childhood, like – in decades and yet you still know every single lyric when when it comes on like like the little mermaid or aladdin or something like that you're like how do i still remember all this like that's how all of the wisconsin like by the light of the moon and like all of the wisconsin songs just like all those lyrics like still were like back there and we obviously lost that was the year that we lost against kentucky and then the next year i didn't get to go because tickets from san francisco to india indiana were like twelve hundred dollars i was like i can't i can't do this um but that was like one of the coolest experiences. One to see how far the program had come. Obviously, because Bo was kind of like an uncle to me, and see like to experience that, experience it with my family. And also, like it was the first time that I realized like 
Wisconsin is like such a, like a deep rooted culture. Like I've, I don't feel I have like deep ties to like my German heritage or like my Irishness or something like that. Yeah. Like I'm just like kind of like a white mutt. And like that was the <laughs> first time that I realized it's like, oh, like Wisconsin is my culture. Like this is like where I come from and who I am like very deeply. <laughs> and so like obviously the more current answer would be the Bucks winning the championship and getting to be in Milwaukee. And I was at the game, which was incredible. So like, that's like a tie, but I feel like they, that first one is like the set the stage for me. Like it was inevitable that I was going to come back to Wisconsin. Okay. I actually have a response. I, Oh my God. So you know how everybody says they were at that Bucks game. I believe you, by the way, I'm not saying I don't, but I got pictures. It's on her Instagram. There was like a bazillion people there. Whenever you talk to somebody like an older Packer fan, everybody was also at the ice bowl. You ever, you ever talk to an old Packer fan? Everybody was at the ice bowl. There was 12 million people there. I'm like, you were there too. Oh my God. You guys sit next to each other. Oh no. I was on the other side of the stadium. It's just funny to me. Everybody always says they were there, but I'm like, I mean, there was a lot of people, but I don't know there if was, you were did there. You guys, did you guys come down and watch any games in the Dare District? No. Every time that we had a good one. Yeah. I, I work late on Tuesday nights. So I start at start at 5 a.m. I work until like 3, and then I take a break, and then I have to go back at 5 because I have to do a, a build yeah. at a store. And I usually don't get out until like 9 o'clock at night. So every time that there was a home game, it was like a Tuesday, and I'm like yeah. – Guys, I can't go. I wish I could, though. You know how many times I wanted to call my boss and be like, hey, I'm taking like a half day, so yeah. the Bucks, you know? He would have been like, nah, it's not flying with me, buddy. Like, oh. Hey, Jake, you know they're open in the Deer District for Brewers games, so maybe we can go down for there for one of those. Hey, I would love to, man. You should what? do It's really cool. I mean, like, I experienced it because it's – obviously, they, they put up multiple more screens, but there's one screen that's there year-round. And like, it's just an open area. That's always, there's a beer, like there's the beer garden and then it's just always open to the public. And so people are like, if there's ever a game on and stuff, they just, people just kind of sit down and they sit for as long as they want. They keep going. Like it's a very cool, like community center type thing. And so like watching like a Brewers game, it's like a perfect place to go. You know, you might have to go on there for a Brewer game. If people nationally didn't understand how much Wisconsin people love sports, they learned during the Bucks. Oh, my God. Run. They learned. Yes. Absolutely. Like, they had to extend it. It was bigger than Oshkosh. That's how many people were there. I was like, holy camoly, that's insane. It was insane. The amount of people that just flooded the streets. I mean, I think they actually just finally came out with the report of the Bucks playoffs run infused, like, $56 million into yep. the economy. It was, I think it was $70 million. Was it 70 I thought it was 56 yeah. Oh man, totally. I could be wrong. I don't know numbers. They all look the same at the end of the day. I guess twenty million there, twenty million here. <laughs> yeah, you know, tomato, tomato. They just spread it out. Uh, it I was wish they had like f- like a difference of fourteen million dollars to just throw around. Just to throw, <laughs> you're like, ah, it's fine. So, just kind of wondering, what is like if you're not at the Deer District or in attendance, what does game day look like for you? You know, I think it's like. It's so funny because my brother was just, I've been really lucky since moving back of like how many sporting events I've gotten to do in Wisconsin in the last year. And part of that's like, my family has Packer tickets. And so like, I get really lucky there. And when I lived on the other side of the country, I couldn't use them, but like, I've gotten really, really lucky and I'm super grateful for that. But it's funny because my brother was giving me like crap about it. He's like, you never used to go to this many sports before. Like where, how did this happen? I was like, yeah, but like going to those games on any of those other cities are so much more expensive. Right. And so it's like, like I, 
would say my game day experience before moving back was like maybe trying to find someone to watch the game with me, but usually not. And so now it's like, it feels like it's, if we're going to the game, there's usually, if it's like Deer District, we go down to like any of the bars on Old World 3rd Street and pregame there, or we just watch it at one of the games that's down, like I live right near downtown Milwaukee. So that's really fun. Um, just went to the first the Packers game uh, against the Lions and um, got up there early, went to Kroll's, like just walked around. Our friends that we, this was the first time they'd ever been to a Packers game. And uh, just like tried to show them what it was all about and all the tailgating and the aggressive drinking that happens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's usually, booze is usually involved. And uh, if we're not at the game, we're usually at a bar watching it somewhere. And uh, this year has been really fun because we've been really good at almost everything. So it's been a lot more fun to watch. <laughs> Jake and I keep hoping for the triple crown. So that's what we're holding out for. I mean, if LA could win two last year, it's like, why why not us? Tampa Bay did two. It's starting to feel like oh, it. Yeah, it really is. Tampa Bay had two, both. Yeah, they did football and hockey. And they I almost had they baseball. Yeah, yeah, they did. They almost had baseball. Good year for yeah. Tampa Bay. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Why not? So I just why thought not, of a question us? on the fly since okay. we're thinking about it. Do you want Wisconsin to get – are you in the hockey first of all, and how would you would you support a NHL team in Wisconsin? I have like I don't follow hockey, but mm-hmm. I have I have often said that I feel like hockey has to be the hardest sport to play. Oh, easily, like no, no debate. Like the skill it takes to go that fast and have that much like hand eye coordination on skates. Um, and get hit and like just the entire like what it takes to be a good hockey player um, and how early you have to start and the muscle memory of like just being able to like do what they do on skates so like I have a whole I have a whole lot of respect for hockey but I feel like it was not one of the sports I grew up with so like my understanding of the actual rules or the game or anything is like I just don't have the same level of like understanding but that's not to say that, like, if we got, I mean, you know, go Admirals. But, like, I would love, yeah, it'd be awesome. I mean, it's only better for Wisconsin. Like, my whole thing is, like, how do we continue to get more people to move to Wisconsin? Like, our population is stagnant, if not declining, besides Dane County. And so it's, like, how do we continue to get people, like, not leave, move back, move for the first time? And I feel like another major sporting team would only enhance that, right? Right. Yeah, There's only one person. I don't want moving out of Wisconsin, and that's Aaron Rodgers. I don't care about anybody else. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Good luck, man. Although I will say he, that was like the first time I feel like I've seen him like joyful on Sunday night. Like he's just looked so mean and like like tired for the he, last year, right? I and know. so to watch him be so happy, it was like, all right, here we go. Like now yep. I feel like the season has started. It felt genuine seeing him smile, you yeah. know? It felt it felt good. It felt like, okay, this is why I love the Packers, you know? I hate, like, when I'm watching my sports, and I feel like I'm more emotionally invested than the players. Nothing bothers me more. I spend so much money on their merchandise and moving my schedule around to watch their games, and, like, why do I care more than you? Nothing would bother me more. So I understand why people feel that way about Rodgers when he's sitting on the sideline looks like he's pouting, you know? But yeah. Sunday night, he was the man. And I'm probably going to gush over him for about 40 minutes when we cover the Packers. (laughs) He's my guy, dude. 
You should have you have you gone to any Admirals games? My my in-laws got me into hockey in like 2013. And um Admirals games are really cheap entertainment. I'm trying to get Jake into it, so I'm gonna have to try and get Jake to an Admirals game this year. Um well, it's, it's, it's really fun to watch. Year. They took they took last year off during COVID. Yeah, so they did. I haven't they gotten to go. Chicago. Yeah. And so um once they start again, like I, I'm definitely gonna go, but I do I didn't have the option to go last year. But yeah, um yeah. my boyfriend's a huge fan. He's got his like Admirals jersey and mm. like he definitely goes and watches like has, has watched the games and stuff like that. I also haven't been to a wave game, the professional indoor soccer team. Um I also haven't been to the forward game, the professional team that's in Madison either. So lots of sports. Oh well. Yeah, I don't uh I don't dabble in the soccer, never been in the no, soccer. Not even I for the World it. Cup. No, nope. I don't. I don't really. I'm. I'm not one of those people that's gonna fake it for three weeks, pretend that I care about soccer. I'm just. I am what I am. I don't. I don't know. I mean, go USA. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about that. But I don't. Soccer. Did you feel about the Olympics? Did you watch the Olympics? Oh yeah, I love the Olympics. The Olympics are okay. cool because you get like those rare sports like javelin and all that stuff. That's cool to watch. And I like the Olympic basketball because I'm a huge basketball guy. But soccer's just never really been my thing. I guess I don't know. Well. That's okay. I like scoring, so like like seeing a soccer game that after like three and a half hours is like like one to zero, and all that happens is like running around. Ninety minutes know. too, like oh my god! You want me to sit there for an hour and a half and watch? I feel oh, like yeah, yeah. Baseball's also very. You can make the argument that baseball's as slow as soccer in a lot of ways. But as as far as pace is concerned, yeah. But like for for Brewers fans, like watching watching Corbin Burns do what he does, like. That is that's so fun to watch, and then like bringing up a guy like Devin Williams who broke his hand today punching a wall, but like watching his changeup and like seeing the way that he moves the ball, and it's it's fun to watch that way. Plus, for me, this is just this year specifically, but the addition of Willie Adamas has made the Brewers so fun to watch because yeah. no matter whether he's healthy or you know, just having a day of rest, like it just watching Willie Adamas do what he does is so fun. And like, I feel like, like I'd want to be Willie Adamas's friend. Cause he just seems like such a fun guy. So that's, that's for me. I, like I, I enjoy baseball a lot. So I think that's the point though. I think there's like, there's something to be said about like understanding the sport enough to understand like the small things about what you're watching for, like what makes it fun to so like for a lay, like a layman person to watch either, whether it's soccer or for me, hockey or baseball, I'll be like, I don't know, like what's that there's not, there's no action. Right. But if you know, mm-hmm. like what makes a pitcher really good or what makes a kick, like a one of the kick moves that they do, even if they don't score, like how incredible that move was or whatever. Right. Like it's like, I feel like no, if, whether you played or whatever, just like the appreciation of like the little things is probably why, for one person, one sport is boring, but the other one is like endlessly entertaining. Oh yeah. And soccer is definitely one of those sports like that. Um, there's, I mean, if you, if you go to Europe, you have to call it football, but um, like it's, it's definitely a huge worldwide sports, but it's just, yeah, I guess to your point, it's just something I never got into and learned about, but, but yeah, I stick with baseball. Yeah. I, I've, I never really watched hockey either. So I don't, cause I don't know any of the rules, you know, to your point, but I grew up with my dad watching hockey. My dad is a huge, huge ah. Red Wings fan. He loves Stevie Y. Like I bought him a sweater for Christmas one year, and he watches all the games. Man, he loves he loves hockey. But I just I don't know. I never got into it. I just stuck with football and basketball. That was my thing, you know. 
I'll I mean, get you to an Admirals game this year, Jake. Those are my two favorite one. sports too to watch, and largely because like those were the two. Like basketball, I know really well because I grew up playing, and obviously with my dad and stuff. Right. Um, but like that was just like what we watched the most growing up, and became the very obvious things that were my favorites. Okay, now I'm gonna ask since those are your two favorite. I want you to name your favorite player on the Packers and your favorite player on the Bucks. Oh well, they... all time or current? Current. Ooh, I mean, all it's hard. Time is it's, tricky. <laughs> it's really hard not to say Giannis because Giannis is just so charming and like he's just like every time he opens his mouth, it's just like the most endearing thing. And he's off, yep. and he's obviously like an unbelievable player to watch. So I feel like that's the very obvious answer. Um, but I think for like who he is both on the court and as a human, like Drew Holiday is like next level, like what him and his wife do for like, they moved to Milwaukee and like what they've done in the community. I think he is like a silent, like let my actions speak, like speak louder than my words type guy. And he's and like the way that he played in the Olympics and stuff. Like I think Drew Holiday is, uh, awesome. Like, and just like, he's just great. Um, and then, Packers, again, Aaron Rodgers feels like the obvious pick. Um, but I, I don't know. I really like Zadarius Smith. Like, I, okay. I can't wait to – and Bakhtiari. And Bakhtiari. Like, I think the, the joy <laughs> – like, the, the childish joy that Bakhtiari brings to, like, all the stuff that he does and the way he chugs his beer and stuff like that. Like, he's yep. also very fun to watch. And I'm, I'm excited for both of them to be playing again. So it's you're interesting about the yeah. phrase childish, childish uh, joy and chugging beer came in the same sentence. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. I was gonna say about Giannis. Giannis can just be your favorite human because he's uh, got the most pure, purest heart of all time. Like he loves his kid, he loves his family. Like, and then he just kids. goes out there he and he dunks on your seven footer. Yeah, I know. I know. You see the my girlfriend just showed me this on Instagram. His wife posted a picture of his Maybe oldest son kissing. Yeah, that was, yeah, I was like, it's really oh, sweet. God. Uh, I mean, no, I know. He's just, and just the way he is with his whole family and like how they all live together. And like there is, uh, in the story, just the story that like yeah. they were dirt poor, that he was, he, he was literally paid to play basketball because he wanted to play soccer, football. Um, yeah. And now all four of his brothers, all three of his brothers and him, Three have a ring, yeah. and one is about to probably. I think did he did Alex get uh, uh, picked on yeah. the team yet? I know he was. He was like practicing. He was with, with the Bucks in training uh, camp. I don't know if he's going to make the team or not yet. Jake okay. and I are going to do the Bucks primer in the next couple of weeks here. Yeah. Um. And as you know, preseason and training camp stuff kind of starts to go. We'll see what happens with that. But I think um two weeks from now, I think is when Jake and I are going to do our Bucks primer. So, well, okay. he also won a summer league championship with the Kings. So technically yes, all that. four champions. <laughs> so it's like, it's amazing that like none of these guys were even playing until they were like 13 or 14. And now they're as a family, they're like dominating the sport. <laughs> I think the most incredible story about them out of everything, selling CDs, everything was that Thanasis and Giannis shared the same pair of shoes when they played over in Greece. That is the most incredible story. Like Thanasis would come out, Give the shoes to Giannis. He would go dunk on some people. Give the shoes back. I'm like, oh, that is mind-boggling. Honestly, mm. that's how I feel. It's uh, I I was talking to some people who uh are closer with the team, and I heard a story of that. Like, he is um, despite having the largest basketball contract ever, 
Um, he's still a very frugal person who had came from very meager beginnings. And so I, t- I heard a story about him like playing poker and like, he like asked like halfway in, he started losing. So he like requested that the buy-in be like lower. He's like, no, 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 that's just going to be $20 a game now or something like that. It just like, he was like too rich for his blood. But then even better one was I had two friends who were in town in Milwaukee um, who don't really follow sports. And so they were at some baby store and uh, they're like, they saw this massive, tall, skinny human being. They're like, this guy has to play basketball and didn't, did, did, not, did not recognize that it was Giannis. And so the clerk like looks at them and he's like, do you know what that is? And they go, no. And he's like, that's Giannis. And they're like, oh, okay. And then they proceeded to watch it because he checked out before they did. And for 10 minutes, he was just like inspecting the receipt to make sure like everything was. And this was like two weeks after he had just signed his his huge contract. And so like, but still like got to make sure, got to make sure. It's like old habits die hard. <laughs> <laughs> they charged me 38 cents more than I did. Yeah, like, I don't think this is what this was supposed to call. You double charge me. <laughs> it's cool now that he's in the ownership with the Brewers too. So he's really rooting himself in milwaukee and yeah. i think he's gonna end up being a lifetime buck yeah. um how did you celebrate the bucks championship um so like i said we got extremely lucky and got to actually go to the game um and <laughs> then we basically just bar hopped for the rest of the night uh afterwards like we we just met up with other friends there was just like everyone was just on the street like the street was insane like how many people were down here and um yeah, I was pretty uh, – I was feeling it the next day, but it was still really happy. Um, you know, I feel like I woke up the next day and I was just, like, scrolling through Twitter. And I feel like I was just, like, weeping because of just how happy so many people were and all the stories. And, like, you know, and, like, especially being in Milwaukee, like, there's such a – like, shit. Like, Milwaukee as, like, a city has, like, such a chip on its shoulder, right? Like, there was, like, the whole terrible city thing that happened – uh, mm-hmm. with Stephen A. Smith earlier on, but like also like in the state, I feel like there's like pun like political pundits in the way that they talk about like they, the Milwaukee. I feel like Milwaukee ends often as like people are not very like nice to the city, and so like the fact that like these lifelong Bucks fans and lifelong like Milwaukee people got this, it was like it was awesome. Like it was just awesome to see how much it meant to so many people, um, and like like the power of what sports can actually do, right? Sports has always been my escape from life. You know, no matter what was happening when I was younger, um, I got really connected to Giannis, or or LeBron, I mean, when I was younger. So LeBron's actually my favorite athlete of all time because whenever I was having a bad day at school or bad day at home or whatever, I would always be able to turn on the TV and be like, LeBron's there dunking on people. Like, I'm okay. Life is going to be okay. I got to wake up tomorrow and go to school, you know? So sports has always been my escape. That's why I'm willing to move other people's birthdays to watch a Packer game. I'm sorry <laughs> that your birthday is at 12 o'clock, but the Packers play the Steelers, so I'm sorry. It is what it is. <laughs> That's just always how it's been for me, you know? Um, so I got a question. What motivated you to come on to our show? Uh, I mean, I think, like, it's I, I've, I'm one. This is not – I'm not – first of all, not very – good at saying no to things because I, I like doing every every time I get asked to do something like this which is like go talk to new people 
talk about things that I like, talk about things that they like. Like I, um, as you can probably tell, I'm not a very shy person. Um, and so getting the opportunity to just BS and talk and uh, meet new people and reach a new audience like yeah. that's always fun. Right. And like you said, like you guys, obviously, as you can see, everyone who's on here listening right now, like there is something about Wisconsin sports. Like I think obviously, like I said, with as goes Wisconsin, like everything is centered on Wisconsin. And I would say like the cheese and the food, like there's like those, those quintessential Wisconsin things that are kind of like, if you're making, if you, when you're writing jokes or whatever, that are like easy, like low hanging fruit. But like, so like the sports thing for me is like, huge like I like all of Wisconsin sports and like that's e very easy for me to tap into like the one kind of big part of Wisconsin that is like very much not my thing is all like the hunting fishing like outdoorsman type stuff like grew up in Madison my dad is not a camper and so like that part of Wisconsin culture is more fish out of water stuff but like with sports I feel very much at home so obviously this is what you guys live and breathe and so when you asked me I was like I'm, I'm certainly not going to be uh like the, 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 the facts and figures, like, I'm not going to be able to do that, but as far as like passion, like I'm here for it. The facts and figures. We'll, we'll definitely take care of that after we say bye. But um, while we still have you, you're actually the first female guest that we've had on our show. We've only had a handful of guests, but um, it's actually really cool that it just came just a week after the Bucks announced their new play by play, by play announcer is Lisa Byington. So we kind of wanted your opinion on that hire. She's the first female play by play announcer in major professional sports. I mean, I think it's awesome. I don't know a ton about her. Like uh, as far as like, like I said, I, I, I don't follow like announcers careers. Like I feel like, like I could like, I know Aaron Andrews, but like, you know, like I don't know <laughs> a ton of uh, the world of like that whole media side of things, but like, mm. I think it's great. I mean, I, I think the, the advantage of different voices and the different perspective, whether it's by race, by gender, by whatever, like when you can, can, you can come at it from a different point of view, um, makes you stand out and makes you say something that's more interesting. Cause like, how often do you listen to announcers who just feel a pressure to like fill airtime and they just say the most asinine, like annoying, like what listening to Tony Romo call like anything is just painful. And so like getting people with different voices and obviously if she's the first woman, she's probably really really good because i don't think they just give that job to the first woman ever if she's mediocre and so like i'm right. i'm excited well i listen to some you, of her so i'm gonna go real quick don't okay. listen to the game right. this sunday because tony romo is calling our game against the steelers <laughs> i gotta I'll go say to a bar i'll go to the bar where they, with the, I don't, they won't have necessarily all the sound on and i can just drink and watch <laughs> i would much rather listen to tony romo than joe buck and troy aikman so i mean that's fair. There's that. Um, we listened to some of her stuff last week, right before the show started. She's done a lot of college football and college basketball. She sounds mm. really good, so I'm excited for her. Uh, my dad actually just commented, Marcus, jo Marcus Johnson has some of the great comments when he's on the broadcast. Uh, Marcus Johnson will be sticking around, so there will be some Lisa Byington, Marcus Johnson, you know, play-by-play uh, -play color commentary days. So Marcus Johnson is sticking around. He is He's fun to listen to as well um zora stevenson is sticking around yeah. but um it's kind of like a like a under the radar kind of deal because we're so used to jim paschke because he's been around for 35 years so then it's not something that has really been a topic of conversation because jim paschke has been such a constant 
and actually now Ted Davis retired the same year and he's been doing Bucks radio since like 98. So the Bucks radio and the Bucks TV play-by-play guys are both retiring after long, long times in the business. That's that's why it hasn't been, you know, as big of a topic of conversation, but um, so do you have Wisconsin sports related uh, merchandise that goes with your site? I do. I actually have a lot of it. Give me just a second. Um, (laughs) Although I don't have the website up right now. So I have uh, during, um, I don't care. Grab all of them right now. But during, so I, what happened was I remember watching the PJ Tucker interview. It was when he was talking about guarding KD and he was Mm. like, I'll die out there. And I was like, I want that on a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) And so I made the first ones that was like, I'll die out there. But then I decided to, take the best quotes from Giannis Middleton and then ultimately Bobby as well. And so I made four different shirts. I just grabbed the Bobby one. Now I think it's going to be too hard to grab. So the Bobby one is, uh, it's the blue collar city and I'm a blue collar player. And then the Middleton one is, uh, the front. It says, do you, uh, do I think I'm underrated? Yes. And in the back it says, does it bother me? No. Um, nice. I got the Giannis one that says it's in my nature to be fearless. And then I didn't redo, I didn't Tuck, Tucker's obviously not coming back. So I was pretty happy that I didn't have a bulk odor of the I'll die out there. But also I feel like that one was very specific. It was not as, um, uh, in demand as, especially the, the Middleton one, I think, because I feel like for people who are not even sports fans that like resonates, like, do I feel yeah, cool. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, if anyone wants those. I still I need to get them back up on the website because right now it is they're just sitting here. But um, if you email me at asgoeswisconsin at gmail.com, um, I can send you a shirt. Ooh, I'm gonna have to get in on that. Yeah, my girlfriend is a huge on the fan, show. So she's gonna get in on that. Awesome. I I have I feel like I can't move my thing, but I have an entire pile of these are all shirts in the background right here. And my boyfriend is like, please sell those, even if you have to do it at cost, so we can get them out of the apartment. So you have merchandise, um, you love sports, you love Wisconsin. What is the and I wanted to ask this. I'm gonna I'm gonna back up. You just said you had your one year anniversary, right? What what day is your anniversary? Uh, September, it's technically, it was, we said it was September 26th. That was our first date and things moved very quickly after our first date. So. Tyler, is ours the 30th? Ours is the 30th. Yeah. September oh. 30th is ours. Is our one year anniversary. Wow. Nice. That's, that is incredible. You guys have grown a lot. Wow. In that's a year. Because you guys have what? 1500 followers on your Facebook? Uh, we're almost, almost to 17. Yeah. So like in a year, that's huge. That's great. Yeah, we're. Tyler's grinding over there. I'm grinding over here. We're and I had a baby in the middle of everything. And Tyler has a whole family over there with two little girls. So it's like we work full time jobs, and it's it's tough sometimes. I'm gonna be honest to manage the time. But I mean, your page is humongous in my opinion. <laughs> um, I was gonna ask, what is the goals for your page? So that's kind of in flux because I feel like there is. You know, I think the big goal would be, I would love for it to be an independent media company. Like I'd love for more people to come on. I'd love to find other like-minded comedians that are based in Wisconsin who can do their videos and and stuff like that. And keeping still the theme of like making news and, you know, like uplifting stuff in Wisconsin while still 
having like a fun way to talk about the news. But I, I don't think it has to be just me. Cause I feel like right now the overlap between like Kristen and as goes Wisconsin is like here. And I would like them to be, cause I'm just one person right now, but I would love for it to grow more on its own to be, you know, like I said, like something that is uh, a different way and reaches a different audience because of the yep. way that we talk about Wisconsin politics and news. Um, but you got to figure out how to make money to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and like that isn't selling out. Right. And like, because yep. it is politics, it's like, there's probably certain like to get just like a sponsor. It's like, how do you do that without uh, compromising the integrity of like your point of view and your opinion without feeling like you're like, I just got to make money. So I'll take a project here, even if I don't really agree with it or whatever. Right. And so I think that's, you know, that's the problem with any kind of media endeavor is one, how do you make money and how do you, how do you take the people who are going to pay for it? How do you, um, do it in a way that like doesn't feel grimy. Um, so the goal is for it to continue to grow. How? I don't know, but I'm going to keep making stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, but I think that like the, the feel good heart of the goal is like, how do you make complicated stuff? You know, like, as I think as Jake said, when we first started, like, you don't really like talking about politics. A lot of people don't like talking about politics because it gets messy. It gets mean. There's like how partisan things are. Everyone has a strong opinion, but like mm -hmm. it affects everything. Like even if you it want does. to talk about the bucks, like that was a political move that almost didn't happen that had to get voted on in the state legislature for that, for the Fiserv to get built. Right. Yep. Like that is a political yep. move. And like mm -hmm. in that, like who we vote for matters if you vote matters and not just for president, but for, who your state assembly rep is, who your state senator is. But like a lot of those people are very dry and like not fun to watch. It's fun. They're certainly not as fun to watch as Aaron Rodgers. So like, how do you continue nope. to keep the average person engaged when the stuff is not super exciting? And so like, that is ultimately the goal is to continue to bring people in who don't normally see themselves as like following politics. Yeah. The, the big thing about voting I guess for me is first of all, you get one person that goes, I'm not going to vote. because My vote doesn't matter. And then they just think that they're one vote. Right. And then you get this person and this person and this person also that adds up to thousands. Right. So now all these people are complaining about who the president is or, you know, your state legislator, anything like that. And they didn't vote. So my dad has always told me, if you don't vote, you can't complain. So you got to go out there. You got to give your opinion. And, if you voted and you didn't win, then you could still complain. The next thing is kind of about generations. I feel like the younger generations, even the generation behind us, is just they're less and less educated because they don't pay attention to this stuff. They're too busy watching TikToks and Although there's breaking, a lot of breaking bathrooms. Yeah, so I, that's true. Or, or climbing milk crates. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? I just heard on the radio because I listen to 101 uh, on the way to work on Tuesday mornings. And in Fox Point, there was over a thousand dollars in damage because they were destroying public bathrooms. I'm like, that. TikTok is not good. Either that or these kids are just stupid, in my opinion. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like kids doing stupid stuff has always happened. Like, wasn't it not very long ago that kids were eating like Tide Pods? Same and, generation. Uh, is it Same lemons in their eyes. Who was it? Who was it? Who was? What was the year when people were like 
sticking um, vodka soaked tampons into themselves. That that was a thing for a little while. Like I feel like the 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 thing about teenagers is they're gonna find stupid stuff to do, TikTok or no TikTok. Like, I mean, that's true. I just uh oh yeah yeah some people's kids. You know? so that's what that's what I enjoy about your platform is that you can make that into a, like a really short thing because attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. So like your you know your page with your your videos being shorter they're easily accessible and they're easy to understand and they're still entertaining is a good combination of all of that yeah that's the goal and you know it's like you can't get into the like the nuance sometimes and the depth of like you know and that's, then i try to like point them to like the actual article that says if you want to learn more but like at least getting people's attention and awareness of certain stuff that's happening like sometimes that's all you need and then like that opens them up to being curious about something else that they didn't even know that they cared about. That's very true. All right. So the last question that we had for you was, we know you're in Milwaukee, but we mentioned before we started, we have our live show uh, November 4th is, would you want to come to our live show and hang out with us? I definitely do. So my only, I, I am a yes, unless, so my boyfriend might be running in the LA marathon. Oh, and so if I have to go to that, because that's on the sixth, but it doesn't. Okay. Mean, so, so a tentative yes. If I am okay. in Wisconsin, yes. Okay, I'll give you two reasons to come. First of all, my kid is adorable. You want to meet my kid? <laughs> I saw, I saw some pictures on Facebook. She's pretty cute. Yes, thank you very much. I made that. It was awesome. My girlfriend did a lot of work too. Uh, my girlfriend's a huge fan, and you get to watch my dad get a pie shoved in his face from my stepson. Yep, that, yeah, so that's that happening. Awesome. Did he lose a bet? Why is this happening? He did. he did. That is one of the hallmarks of our show. Actually, is pie bets. I haven't lost one yet. Jake's lost two already, and Jake's dad has to take one. Uh, the one that we're doing at the live show in Green Bay is for the hot dog eating contest, which was actually Jake's dad's idea to bet on. So we yeah. all guessed how many hot dogs that Joe Chestnut was going to eat during the 4th of July weekend hot dog eating contest. And mm-hmm. Jake's dad was the farthest away, so he has to take a pie in the face. So I, uh, that's one of the things that we do with our show. I, My sister-in-law, this is her only type of bet she does. She does push-up bets and pie-in-the-face bets, and that's all she does. So I like, I am a big fan. Already, already on board. I'm going to tell you. My dad gave me a pie to the face, the first one. I thought he broke my freaking neck. I was like, Jesus, God, I couldn't react on camera, right? Then my girlfriend gave me my second one, and she was so nice about it. Like, like you know, like, you can get like, mad at a significant other, right? I thought she was going to smash me. No, she's all like, boops me in the face with it. I'm like, man, I thought you were going to kill me like my dad. Oh, my God, that's so funny. I've yeah, never gotten the, a pie in the face. It's really not that bad. You know, the, fir- the first one you take after that, as long as, your, as long as your neck doesn't get broken. Yeah, my dad. He, he's like, I didn't hit you that hard. I'm like, Dad, I got whiplash. I'm telling you, you broke my neck. That's it's such a dad thing to say. Call it a personal injury lawyer. <laughs> That's funny. That's such a dad thing to say, too, is I didn't even hit you that hard. Walk it yes, off. Did. Yeah, rub, rub some dirt, dirt on it. Walk it off. You're fine. <laughs> so my oh, man. The amount of, like broken fingers and jammed fingers and like how many times I'd play basketball hurt because my dad's like, you're fine. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. My, my dad tried to make me walk off a a fractured elbow once. So that happened. Oh my God. I have a funny story with that. So this is like, we'll maybe give you some insight of how competitive I am. So I I was in college and I'm tall. I'm five ten, So I'm a tall, tallish woman. And uh, Jake and I'll make you look short. 
great. Uh, so the uh, I had been asked to play on a co-ed intramural league. I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. And like most intramural leagues, you have to have two girls on the court all the time. But they had a stupid rule where the guys couldn't go in the lane on offense or defense. So you had guys driving to the lane and then like horizontally propelling themselves to like shoot a layup. So they're like shooting like this because they can't do it normally. So it was, it was a stupid rule, but that's why they always want to tell like post players. So it's one of my first games playing with them. And I'm like, first half I am like dominating. Like the girl can't, I was like, I was feeling very proud of myself. of like how good I was playing. <laughs> <laughs> and then a guy proceeds to drive to the lane but can't go in the lane i decide to take a charge um and this guy just dump trucks me like hits me so hard i go flying and i land on my elbow and i get the block i don't i don't, I don't even get the charge i get the block so i get up i'm like oh that hurts like that hurts a lot but i we only had three girls so i continue to play the entire second half i'm awful the second half and I go home and I fall asleep with like frozen peas on my arm being like, this really hurts. And I wake up the next day and I like, can't lift it like past, I like, can't lift my arm. So I go to the student like health center and they take an x-ray. They're like, oh yeah, you broke your elbow. It's like, And my dad, my brother, my boyfriend at the time, all basketball players were like, what's wrong with you? It's an IMT like league game. Like, why didn't you take a charge? Yeah, who does that? That's like me going to open gym on Sunday and be like, hey, I charge. I'm going to take a charge. No. It's just like the the part of me that was like a freshman in high school that was still bigger than all the boys is like back there. And I was like, no, you're not. (laughs) Like, you're just not anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I have two screws in my elbow now. I remember that. It's because they they put some weird shit on the floor. Yeah, their yeah their their janitor like did something weird on the floor, and it was slippery all over the place. And yeah, I just landed weird. Good times. Sucks. Was it your dominant hand or non-dominant? The dominant. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that was That's... six weeks of watching on the sidelines in a sweater vest. Yeah, you can't and... even like. Were you like trying to eat with your non-dominant hand and everything? So like, like eating wasn't bad, but like taking notes in school. So like, I had to like rest my arm on the table and then like move my notebook with my other hand because I could move my wrist but not my elbow. I was yeah, yeah. You forget like you forget how like as I I was like couldn't wash my own hair. It was like trying to do this and like mm-hmm. wash my hair. I was like, well, this is awful. Um, so yeah, doing it with your like. And I still had my dominant hand. I was just like, oh, you forget how many things you need two hands mm-hmm. to do. No. If, if you really want to find out how bad you are with your non-dominant hand, brush your teeth with it. It's the worst. <laughs> I broke my wrist when I was a younger kid, and I had to brush my teeth with my left hand. Oh, man. I'm sure. Oh, I could have made videos back then, and people would have laughed at me. I was like, <laughs> it was bad, dude. <laughs> I couldn't hold a toothbrush. My thumb was like. And I, I would have to go like this, and uh, it just would have been bad. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, good times. All right. Well, we want to thank you for joining the show. Hopefully, you'll be able to come and see us uh, when we do our live show in early November. But had a lot of fun, so we want to thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a really good time. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Have a good night. Bye, guys. <clears throat> that was. I got to say, I'm going to pat our backs real quick. We're pretty goddamn good, man. We're not even a full year in. We're pretty goddamn good. That's how I feel. I knew that was going to be fun, and like I, I've, I pictured that as being entertaining. But um, <clears throat> when we have our guests on, we encourage the uh, 
we encourage the tangents and that's when, that's when the fun is had on the show yeah. so i like All that right. she was uh telling stories about you know her moving away and stuff that was that was interesting stuff man that was awesome <laughs> <laughs> jake isaac said he's gonna send you a left-handed toothbrush <laughs> thanks buddy hey i needed it when i was like 12 i don't need it anymore my stepson may need it though because he's left-handed actually what a weirdo that's weird left-handed <laughs> people are weird hey my grandma's left-handed man my grandma's my mom really oh wow we're just finding <laughs> all the left-handed people out <laughs> all right so let's we we asked Kristen about the Packer game, but I want to know your thoughts about the Packer game. Um, do you want to talk about the offense or the defense first? Because I mean, there's good, there's good, and a little bit of bad on both sides, but it's mostly good. So, what do you want to start with? I think we should start with offense this week. Let's start with offense. All right. All right. So we'll recap this game, and then we're going to welcome in our second guest, Ryan, once we get to the preview. So um, let's talk about the offense first. Um, I got to say, I was very impressed with the offense as far as talking to 49ers fans on Twitter a lot before the game uh, was really annoying because they're all like, oh, Rogers is going to be under pressure the entire game and we're going to cover Devontae with linebackers. And it's like, you really think that that's how that entire game is going to go? Because right. when we talked about our, our preview last week, what I said I was going to be looking for was a lot of play action, wide receiver screens and quick throws. Yep. And they actually showed a stat during the game of Rodgers when he threw the ball in two and a half seconds or less. He was 16 for 16 on passes for 140 yards and a touchdown. So that first possession that they had, they ran a double fake. So Rodgers took it, faked the play action, faked a pass, and then, then he handed it off. I don't even remember. They ran two different fakes on the same play and then scored the touchdown. Yeah. So the way that they use the offense in different ways, and I got to say, um, actually, Cody sent me the full video of it, of Robert Tunyon doing a great job blocking and pushing down Joey Bosa was very impressive. Um, Three I don't know if you want to give your thoughts on the offense before we name some stars, but um, I mean, I don't really have anything bad to say about the offense. Well, here's the first thing. When I turned the game on, the game started, we started with the ball and I saw, I, you can tell, okay, this is what I do. I'm not saying everybody else has to do it, but when you watch and you look in those players eyes, you can tell if their heads in it or not. You can do that with every sport. And when I looked in Rodgers' eyes, and he's throwing perfect deep passes to Lazard on the first drive, and he's hitting Devontae on the goal line in between two people, you know, that's one of those footballs where he could throw it to, through a car wash and it wouldn't get wet. When I see <laughs> that stuff, I was like, oh, yeah. That's when my confidence level goes from – because my confidence never wavers. I'm at an 80 all the time with, with my sports teams. If they lose, they lose. But that's when my confidence level goes from 80 to 100. When I see an MVP Rodgers, I'm like – Dude, if our defense does anything, we're damn near untouchable right now. And Rodgers was locked in. The receivers were running good routes. And the offensive line, the makeshift offensive yes. line did their shit. I love the Five double stars. I love them. I love them giving them the ability to double team and attack, you know, run the ball. You got to run the ball. People don't understand, like, they're like, oh, the run's not working. They're getting two yards, three yards of carry. 
You have to allow those linemen to get a push and be aggressive every once in a while. Get their head into it. Now they're not going backwards all day getting hit. They're doing the hitting every once in a while. And that's why running the ball is so important to every offense. So, you know, I mean, the offensive line was other than Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers, man. And Devontae was Devontae. I was most impressed with the offensive line. I thought that was absolutely amazing. Like Tyler said, five stars. It was amazing. They did a great job. They actually just mentioned it today that uh, Runyon is going to be the starting left guard, you know, probably, you know, until things get healthy. I guess we'll have to see what happens. Maybe their ideas to throw, you know, Jenkins on the at the right guard spot. I don't know. The guy can move around anywhere, right? Yep. So maybe if Runyon's comfortable at left guard, you know, and Bakhtiari comes back, they throw, you know, him over at right guard, and we just kind of clean shit up over there. But the rookie's been doing – Newman's been doing good over there, you know? So I, dude, I got no – Two rookies on the offensive line. I know, and Myers, dude. Myers is guy, fantastic. He, dude, is that block where he double teamed and then got up to the second level, I'm like – the Packers always find linemen. And everybody was giving a shit for letting Lindsley go. Yep. Well, we let Treader go before we had Lindsley. And look what we turned Lindsley into. We just keep churning out centers and tackles and guards. And the Packers always are good on offensive line. They've always been great at that. We always have O-line and quarterback. It's no wonder we're always competing, right? Pretty simple. <laughs> but If we could get amazing. some D-line help, that would be insane. But it would be nice to see if – uh, as far as salary cap concerns go, if we could get rid of Billy Turner, um, yeah. you know, I mean, the, with the wealth that they have at offensive line, obviously you want to keep depth, but um, if being able to save some money, there was an option that would be nice. Um, I guess the only bad thing that I could say about the Packers offense is after getting the turnover um, off the Garoppolo fumble and only getting three points out of that. Yeah, that, that was hurt. really the only bad thing I have to say about the offense. Just because if you get a touchdown there, game's over. It doesn't oh, yeah. matter. It doesn't matter what happens after that. 100%. But only getting three and then having San Francisco come back, take the lead. Obviously, you don't want to leave Aaron Rodgers with 37 seconds on the clock because you know what he can do. Um, and even when we had Kristen on, you know, mentioning the all the memes that came out of it of all the people, you know, they're celebrating with 37 seconds left. Um, like, but, do they not know who that guy is? <laughs> you've seen him do stuff man. before. I mean, he's Aaron freaking Rodgers, man. After the second completion, and it, there's like nine seconds left, I'm like, go, my go, get up, get up, get up, get up, go oh spike gosh. it. Dude, I started like after we gave up the touchdown, right? Because it was getting pretty late, and I was up pretty early, and I had to work early. And Yep, me too. I, I had to sit up. I know. Yeah, we, we all, a lot of people had to get up early, right? But like, yep. I was trying to lay down on the couch to go to sleep. And, you know, all of a sudden they scored a touchdown. I'm like, oh, shit. Now it's time to sit back up. Now we got a game. Rodgers completed the first one. And I was like, oh, shit. He spikes it. He completes the second one. All of a sudden, my heart is going a bazillion miles an hour. I'm like crying, shaking at this point. I'm like, Mason, please, Mason. Mason kicks it through. I never had a doubt. It's Money Mason, baby. I know. Yep. Uh, hey, special teams player of the week, by the way. Special teams player of the week, yeah, Money Mason. Three for three. Yep. And a 54-yard long. I mean, that's my boy, Mason Crosby. But the offense, I thought, was very, very good. I love on both sides of the ball that we were a physical team. How many times have we been able to say that in the last how many years? Not very Not many. Defense. Not on either side, really. Well, I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, the offense has been finesse. Yeah, we, we could probably count how many times on one hand 
that you walked away from a game and you're like, the Packers were the more physical team today. Most of the time we win because Aaron Rodgers or we get a couple, you know, interceptions or turnovers or some, and we kind of just, you know, we out finesse them like you said, but the Packers dominated that game. And Matt LaFleur, man, I, I'm going to have something to say after, after the defense, but Matt LaFleur, dude, that guy, I love Matt this year. So we, 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 we mentioned the, defense, the field goal man. already. We talk about three stars of this game. Yep. Uh, two of mine are on the offense. And number one is Mason Crosby for making the game winner, for being clutch, for being, you know, um, reliable. Uh, number two, I had Devontae, 12 catches for 132 yards and a touchdown. Coming back after the big hit, Yep. just to be coming back into the game, I don't know if you saw Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. He said it was like Undertaker coming out of the tent when, when Devontae came back out onto the field after yeah. that play. <laughs> uh, and then my third one is on defense so if you have uh your three stars and then we can move into it okay so actually my second star is also Devonte adams he's just the best wide receiver in the league man um he is he really is he runs every route he runs every route from every position on the field right side left side slot i mean the guy's just he, he runs routes after catches and like snatches ankles regularly yeah. did you see uh Apparent, uh, I think it was last week, he did an interview and he talked about how before the game last week, he was watching for a half an hour, he watched like 30 or 25 minutes or some highlights of Lamar Jackson jukes. Mm. And he was trying to add some of that to his, you know, repertoire. Cool. And so, I mean, if he starts juking people out like Lamar Jackson and he's 6'2", and he's jumping over you and he's wide open after every route, He's going to be more of a problem than he already was, you know, and that's yeah. Eighteen. Think about. He was targeted eighteen times in this game. Oh, and I, came now with twelve catches. Yeah, he's a, he's a monster. <laughs> um, my number one star for almost the same reason as you was Rogers. Okay. Um, I said from the start of the game he was locked in, and Rogers kind of has a cooling, a cool calm effect on fans, and. The 49ers score with 37 seconds. And I'm sure there was fans that are like, ah, shit, we lost, this, this, this. Me, I was kind of on the fence. I'm just like, we got Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers, not a worry, not a not – a, See, and I, the only thing that I was thinking is like, like, oh, San Francisco is going to be just guarding the sidelines like crazy. So yep. like, they're going to have to do this quickly. And, and Rodgers puts his helmet on, and the first play that they ran – was something that they made up at the end of practice on Thursday, a couple days prior to the game. And Rodgers goes over to Matt, and they change a couple routes, you know, with Cobb taking the safety away and, you know, having Devontae come across the field. And, dude, it's just – Rodgers is just – he's clutch, and he doesn't get enough credit for that in my opinion. So, for that reason, I have Rodgers as my number one star of the week. My third is also on defense. All right. My third is probably the same guy as Devondre Campbell for me. Um, the 12, yep, there it is. Isaac said it as I said it. Uh, Devondre Campbell, the 12 tackles, recovered the fumble, uh, helped with the pressure. He was the defensive anchor after Chris Barnes went down. Um, I was really, really skeptical about Campbell after the Saints game in the first half of the Lions game, but now he's even parts, you know, questionable to stud and he, I'm leaning more towards stud being his profile. Um, he, he looks like a steal of free agency and it's, he's been really, uh, 
a reliable middle linebacker, which is something that the Packers need, especially if Chris Barnes is unable to play against the Steelers. But um, what I said during this game was that Joe Barry needs to coach the defense all the time as if they're up by three points. Yep. That's when he was at his best. That's when they were getting pressure, when they were really forcing the issue, playing physical, like Jake said. Um, uh, Tyler said the Jair pick was a pretty big play. He, that was a very big play. And I said he looked like a wide receiver on that play, going to get that ball. He did also – he gave up a touchdown to Brandon Ayuk. I mean, he he got beat on that play. It doesn't happen often, but it did happen. But he yep. did – he, he kind of balanced out with yep. the interception and the touchdown. So, um, for me, getting more – we know what we have in Jair. So, getting the more consistent play out of the middle linebacker position, which is something that's – been lacking for a long time. Um, for me, Devondre Campbell was a bigger part of this game. But um, what else? What else did you see from this defense, Jake? Dude, I couldn't pick just one defensive player because I was impressed with multiple, and I didn't even write down some of the people that I was impressed with. I loved Darnell Savage flying all over the field. Dude, he laid the thump on a couple spots. plays. Dude, he was awesome. He was absolutely awesome. This is what we envisioned. He's finally able to read and react. I think he's at that speed now. And and I think Barry's just kind of being like, man, go out there and play, dude. Be aggressive. Go for the ball. Do your thing. Just be a ball player. Be a ball hawk. And that's what he did. And Kenny Clark was awesome. But the two people are right now. Sean Gary was great. Sean Gary and Preston Smith, the combination of those two and not giving up on plays was huge. Like there were so many players that they got blocked away from it but then kept at it and then went and got pressure and forced incompletions and yep. um, Garoppolo to pull the ball down and then he ended up fumbling. So those two continuing the pressure and not giving up on plays was was huge for me. Yep. Um, I wrote down Campbell as one, and then Preston Smith was my other one, actually. He had four tackles, three solo, and he had three QB hits. But the most important thing that he did, him and Gary, I wanted to give credit to them both, was setting the edge. They both set the edge, didn't allow that shit to happen, and they were both just awesome. The Packers had 11 quarterback hits as a team. That is incredible. They got three from Preston, two from Gary, two from Garvin, a backup outside linebacker for us. Burks had one, Lowry, Clark, and TJ Slayton had a quarterback hit. Yeah, he did. Barry got told last week from Matt LaFleur to either coach coverage or coach pressure. And I am so freaking happy that they chose pressure. Make these quarterbacks uncomfortable. The only you have, the guy, you have the secondary to cover against that. We are not we are ninth in pass coverage. And that is with Kevin King. Kevin King is ass. He'll give up. Oh my God, I hate Kevin King. I'm hoping <laughs> that he doesn't play this week because in the injury report, he was talking about how he might be back, blah, blah, blah. No, do not like Kevin King on this field. Our pass defense was awesome last week. We create pressure. They're going to throw it up. Jair's going to go get it. Darnell Savage is going to go get it. Like, Stokes is going to go get it. Like, He's going to knock it down. Dude, outside of the, the penalty in the end zone, Stokes was fantastic. He covered yeah, Debo on a couple of plays. Dude. Yeah, Stokes, Stokes, is, Stokes is the man, dude. Yeah, Tyler, we, we saw that he's diagnosed with a concussion, but I just read a quote before the show that um, LaFleur said that he's working on it and getting better every day. So I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see with, with, with Kevin King. He might play. 
I mean, this might be a week that he can play because when we talk to Ryan, I'm going to get his opinion. But the Steelers' offensive line is playing very bad right now. They're very young and very inexperienced. But we faced some really, really good offensive lines. And our buddy Cody brought that up. And I was like, yeah, if you take a step back and think about it, it's true. Yeah. And, and now we're going to be playing a bad offensive line. Young. Yeah. They probably have one of the best centers in the league. And Lancaster's out, so we might see our boy Heflin out there this week. Yeah, buddy. Pretty excited about that. I'd rather have King and slot all day, but Stokes on the outside. I don't know. Chandon Sullivan was pretty damn good inside, I'll say. Chandon, you didn't hear his name a lot. He had that first big pass breakup on their first drive. I mean, that's all That's all you need to know. Heflin, yeah. Uh, King, MES, Aaron Jones, yep. That is true. So what what I still want to see is I still want to see the Packers be better defending on third down. And then just want to talk about the special teams really quick as far as recap. And then we're going to bring Ryan, who is a Steelers podcaster, in to talk about the preview. So let's let's talk about special teams real quick. And then we're going to welcome in Ryan. Well, first thing I'm going to bring up, Money Mason. We all know we've been we've been hyping it up. Um, His. His long game-winning field goal was 54 yards. Our punter had three punts. Yeah. He had 54 yards 54. of punt. And he had one inside the 20. We haven't said that in a long time. Um, they did give up the big return, but there was actually a really, really cool story that happened about this. So they gave up the big return, and Alan Lazard, fan favorite of everybody, goes over um, to the special teams coordinator and says, I will not allow that to happen again. He said, I want to be in kickoff coverage. They look at him. They're like, are you sure, Allen? He said, yeah. Allen was busting his ass and was the first player on the field. Yep. Every single punt and kick. Kick and off. Not another yep. return on the kickoffs. Yep. Those are championship level players. He could have sat on the sideline and pouted because he wasn't getting all the targets. No, he got his ass up. He played Alan on the He is a dirty work player. Yes. He, he loves to block. He loves to get in your face. And apparently he loves to just hit people, you know? He loves playing football. Yeah, so Alan Lazard, man, he, he should have been an honorable mention for three stars because, just because of that. But he, that he, is he awesome does the dirty work to have he those really does. players. That is that is Pat Connaughton type stuff on this. Absolutely. That's a, that's that, is a, that is a great comparison, that's, Alan that's Lazard and Pat Connaughton. Hey, we should make a meme. Let's make a meme. I, I was just gonna say I might have to make a post after that after the show. That's a that's a really great uh, comparison. Yes, sir. Um, unfortunately, as far as special teams concerned, uh, Dominique Daphne will not be back yet this week. Um, he's still dealing with the injury they're putting on him on injury reserve. So um, we'll see what happens with Dominique Daphne. They brought on a a tight end from the Colts practice squad, I believe. Yeah, where that guy came from. Um, I think his name is Tyler Davis. Uh, he's basically just for depth. It's still going to be Tunyon, Lewis, and DeGuara uh, at the tight end position. Um, and then, you know, they have MVS and Lazard to do more blocking as far as the wide receivers are concerned. But do you have anything else recap related before we move into the preview? No, I was just double checking. His name is Tyler Davis, tight end uh, of the Colts practice squad. So look at you being right again. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. No, let's bring Ryan on, dude. I'm very excited. Right. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, brother? Not much, not much. Hey, I love you supporting Wisconsin wearing the Watt jersey. That was a oh, very bro. smart choice. 
like you said, like you said, the, they always find the best linemen. Like I actually went to school with Corey Lindsley, and he was doing crazy shit in high school. He broke the high, the Ohio State benching record or squat one of the two. But yeah, he was just destined. You guys always have a line. You ain't lying about that. You yeah. got to go to NFL farm when it comes to it. All right, so we'll give you a chance to introduce yourself real quick, and then we'll start uh, talking. I'll give you the option if you want to talk about the Packers' defense versus the Steelers' offense first or the Steelers' offense versus the Packers' defense first. You can just lead however, and I'll just, you know, give my opinion or whatever, you know, however you want to do it. <laughs> All right, Jake, what do you want to do, offense or defense first? We could do uh, – yeah, let's just do offense first. Okay. We'll let the guests All right. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with either, man. The guess, whatever. As All far right. as the Steelers' defense is concerned, we want to know about the man on your jersey. Is he going to play this week? Oh, I hope I hope so, man. The injury report—it's not. It's, he didn't. He did practice limited with Highsmith. I mean, we're a completely different team when this man is playing and when we're not, and especially when Highsmith is out too. That's what killed us last week. So they're both—they both did practice, but it was limited. Uh, Juju might come back. Uh, all Tomlin said was that he was expected to practice sometime this week. I guess Ben didn't practice today, which I'm not really sad about that at all. I'm, ben just needs to sit down and retire. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he didn't look good last year. He hasn't looked good this year. He was missing Najee all the time. He needs just needs to sit down. Uh, Deontay Johnson did practice today. He was limited because of his knee. He was out for the Bengals uh-huh. game. And then uh, what? We got uh, a core four was out with the concussion protocol, and Rashad Coward has out with an ankle. He was limited. That's as far as our injury report goes. But as yeah, if you want to talk about the defense, I mean, Bush Bush was banged up. He had just got back from an injury. Hayden, I'm not. I mean, as a number one corner, he's not great. He does what he does, and I'm disappointed. I think we can do better in the position, but he he holds his own. Um, honestly, I think if you took our defense without T.J. Watt in it, like the Packers are going to slaughter us, and it's not even going to be close i hope we just don't let aaron jones in the end zone four times like the lions <laughs> well i'll be honest with you when i was i was looking up the rankings uh and i usually don't do this until the first month of the season because you want a, a good sample size right right but i wanted right. to do it for this game and you know the the defense your defense is good against the run your 10th yeah. against the run but yeah, that, yeah. it's the passing game that really kills you so if somebody's in the end zone yeah, it's gonna be Rodgers getting a game four times. It's trash. They did all right against the Bills. I liked how they were flying around, but they just let Jamar Chase just up and down the field, and it was really ridiculous. Honestly, I thought that Pierre was gonna be a good pickup. I mean, it's still early in the season, and things can turn around. But I mean, hopefully the the Valente Adams ain't the one he has to guard because that's not gonna end well. <laughs> So basically, what I'm taking away from this is if TJ Watt is healthy and playing, that the Packers' game plan, as far as the offense goes, is going to be pretty similar to what they just right. did with San Francisco. They're right, going to be right. looking at TJ Watt instead of Joey Bosa, and or is it Nick Bosa? I I Nick. get confused which one's which. Nick is on the Nick is on San Francisco. Joey's on the Chargers. Yep. Okay, so I'm just going to say Bosa. So they're going to look at at TJ Watt. Like, <laughs> like San Francisco's Bosa, and basically plan the offense around that. And right. I don't know if Tunyon will do as good of a job against a a pass rushing linebacker as much as a defensive end, 
Um, you know, I would expect TJ Watt to be a little bit faster. But that being said, I think LaFleur did a good job of figuring out ways to make sure that Rodgers would be protected. And the the backup linemen did good jobs of keeping Rodgers safe. He only had one sack. And, yeah, basically if, if Pittsburgh's defense is healthy, I would see a similar game plan to San Francisco. If TJ Watt doesn't play, I mean, it's going to be really open season for the Packers offense. Yeah. He, he's the one that gets the pressure on the quarterback. So if you don't have pressure, you saw we were one the end, right? all day to decide and let any route get anything. Right. This is Look just at, frustrating when you're, you're used to TJ Watt, at least if he's, he's close, even if every play he's close, if he even gets, you know what I mean? If he's in the backfield, yep. but when he's not there, it's like we don't even break the line. Yep. Week one, Packers. They let Jameis Winston have all day, and he diced us up for five touchdowns. You don't pressure the quarterback, every quarterback in the NFL is going to look good. That's just right. You and, I, you and I would be fine if we had 10, 15 seconds in the pocket. I mean, I can't I can't throw a super far, super accurate, but, I mean, I could I could throw some 20-yard right. darts. I could, I could get it to Devontae Adams if I had 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, he's wide open every play. I'll throw to yeah. Devontae, too. I could do – yeah, any of us could do that. <laughs> So for the Packers offense, um, MVS is questionable. Elton Jenkins is questionable. Um, not sure if either of those two are going to play. Honestly, as far as the Packers are concerned, it's going to be a similar to how the Brewers are going to approach things, whereas they don't have to force these guys back because they can win without them. They showed it in the second half against San Francisco when MVS kind of came up hobbled and then Devontae came back and they were able to get things done with Devontae and Lazard and Tunyon. They have other pass catchers. Randall Cobb is still around. Um, if MVS doesn't play, EQ will probably get some get some snaps. Uh, maybe Amari Rogers gets some more playing time. Um, but if MVS doesn't play, it's really going to be more Lazard and Tunyon. Um, and the way that Yash Nyman played against San Francisco and dealing with Bosa all all game, he did have help, but. Uh, he showed himself capable, and we've talked about it already three or four times today, how well the Packers do with offensive linemen. So, I mean, I have confidence in this offense against the banged-up Steelers defense. Jake, I would think you would agree. Yeah. Um, honestly, the only – like, the way to, to beat the Packers has always been the same, right, because we have great quarterback play. It's to control the clock and run the ball. Well, the one thing that the Steelers are literally dead last in is running the ball. They only average 53 rush yards a game. Yeah. And this stems back. And, Ryan, I'm not trying to beat you up, but you seem like no, a realist. No. You seem like yeah, a realist. I'm, I'm, that's a, real, I'm a Steelers fan, but, no, I'll be real all day. We haven't had a run game really since that, what when Bell sat out and Connor did okay. Yep. So I wrote down the ages and the experience for all your offensive linemen because I was like, the Steelers have always been like kind of a ground-and-pound kind of team. Why are they struggling so bad? Ben looks terrible. He's getting hit all the time. Like all the time. So your left tackle, Dan Moore Jr., is 23. He's a rookie. Yeah. You got Kevin Dotson, 25, second year pro. Yeah. Your center was your third round pick this year. He's 22 yeah. years old, rookie. 22 rookie, yeah. Your right guard is Trey Turner. We know who that is. He's he's right. okay. And then your right tackle, I'm not even gonna attempt to say his name. Chuck up <laughs> right tackle. He's 24. He's a four-year pro. So, yeah. 
No, our young, our line is extremely young, and that's kind of one thing I was hopeful for. Like maybe, like you know, the coaching staff could put them in the right direction, and hopefully yeah. they just take off from the ground. And yeah, there is a learning curve, and you know, the the whole sign and trade Turner was because DeCastro just kind of retired like at the last minute, but he was yeah. all banged up, and they're talking about he'd have he wouldn't be able to play the season healthy anyway. So I get that. It was, but he's the only veteran anyone that's even sniffed three years in the league on the line, the entire line left to right. Yeah. Um, saying ben, ben Roethlisberger isn't one of those quarterbacks that's going to be good at running around and escaping pressure. Like he's, you know he's definitely yeah, a not, not quarterback. Like 05 or 08 or 2010 even, like we're 10 years past you luckily getting out of there. And I mean, I'll give it to him. He's got the pump fake. He gets a lot of people. If he, I, he doesn't fool me, maybe because I've been watching him for so long, but he does fool people with that move here and there. Like it's people are catching on to that move, bro. Like, just sit down, Ben. Ben, just yep. sit down. Please. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you want Dwayne Haskins to take over? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ben in his younger it'll years. It'll be it'll be rough, but I'd I'd rather just start new. Just I mean, it's you know, rough we're right gonna, now. We're gonna play like like if Ben's gonna play like this, like somebody has to be better. But it's not Mason Rudolph. Definitely not Mason Rudolph. No, you don't like your quarterbacks getting spiked in there with a helmet anymore? <laughs> I was not mad about that. <laughs> if, I could have, if I could have picked any Steeler on, in, in the history of the Steelers, I, I would have picked Mason Rudolph. Dude, he looks like such a frat boy. You know he said some disrespectful-ass shit. It wasn't expected well, to step and to, he was, man. He was just shocked he got hit. Like, Bro, Miles Garrett's not, not the Miles Garrett of yeah. all humans on the planet. Of all humans, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Why him? He's huge. <laughs> no, you talk shit to the little guy. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're a skinny white boy. No, right. do not talk to that big giant six five. Say, say it to say it to Tyler Lancaster, not to Miles Garrett. Oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lancaster will turn around and be like, "I am fat." <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Damn. Lancaster is actually going to miss this game because he's got COVID. Yep. So Lancaster will not be playing. Uh, probably going to be mixed reviews on that because I'm sure there will be some Packers fans that are happy that Lancaster is not playing. Um, Kevin King's questionable, might play, might not. Don't really care, honestly, because I'm all in on Eric Stokes as far as being the cornerback too. And then Chris Barnes is actually a big one. Uh, If he can't play, this is really gross to say, but it means that Ty Summers is probably going to start at linebacker. Over Orrin Burks? He played more. Burks. Yeah. Oh God, it sucks. They both suck at tackling, and I hate it. Yeah. Like it's well, it's probably Summers. Summers is probably going to start over Burks, probably. So we got two questions that I want you to answer. One, the first one's from Isaac. Um, he said, "How would you feel about signing Cam Newton?" How would I feel about signing Cam Newton? Yes, sir. Look, it would either be the greatest thing to ever happen in NFL history or it would be the absolute worst thing to ever happen in NFL history. <laughs> there would be no in-between. Well, if, if we're judging off his hair, it's going to be the worst. Cause <laughs> exactly. He cut exactly. the top off his hat. I was like, this guy, dude, he's too <laughs> yeah. much. Right. Don't, don't be cutting off the top of your hat. You look like right. a freaking – I mean, like, A.B. and Juju was a lot of personality for the Steelers organization, let alone Cam. I mean, I like Cam. 
I mean, I still think he's got some in the tank. I just don't know how it would fit in the Steelers system or, you know, whatever. I'm a little surprised Houston didn't take a flyer on him. Who's that? Houston. I'm surprised they didn't after Tyron Taylor went down. I'm surprised they didn't try him out. There's quite a bit of teams. I'm surprised no one's even, like, thrown him as a backup or anything. I mean, like, well, he couldn't he couldn't hurt the Colts any and in, in any way. People kind of just figured out Cam, and they they don't want to deal yeah. with that much personality without the production, you know. So it's like, right. if you're not giving us close to you know relatively mid average quarterback play, you're throwing picks, and you're not you can't use the legs as much because you don't want to run now. And he's just right. he's done now. So yeah. I can understand. I like Cam too. He was pretty good for a little bit. I used to draft him in fantasy actually in like round seven. I won when I drafted. The one time I drafted him, I won. Yeah, that was probably his MVP. I could see him being being a type of person that says, you know, you guys are going to sign me to be a backup. Well, I'm not a backup. I'm a starter. And, and, you know, that's just being the reason that he doesn't get signed. Yeah, he's about as smart as Andy Dalton, where he said Andy Dalton said it was his year. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Cody's kind of leading into where we're going with this. And that is, for me, watching the Packers' defense versus the Steelers' offense is going to come down to mainly the health of the Steelers' wide receivers because the Steelers' offensive line, it is sketchy. But if if Juju is healthy, if Deontay Johnson is healthy, they have Chase Claypool, they have three really solid wide receivers, really capable wide receivers. They have a home run guy in Claypool, they have an all-around guy in Juju, and a, and a you know, a a possession receiver in Deontay Johnson. If all three of those guys are healthy, uh, right. you know, the Steelers can probably move the ball. And yep. at that point, I do see the Steelers scoring some points. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a lot of touchdowns. Uh, I did see a lot of bend, but don't break out of the Packers defense in that 49ers game. But if assuming these guys are out, which Juju didn't practice today, uh, Deontay right. Johnson was limited, but um Assuming these guys play or don't play, um, we want to get some score predictions. So, Ryan, you're the guest. We'll let you go first. Give a score prediction for this game. Score prediction. Oh, man. Probably probably like 21-9 to 9 if I had to guess. Low scoring. Packers. It's I in did. favor of the Packers. All right. Low scoring. All right. Okay. You want Jake, me to go? Jake, how do you we feel? We might run enough more, but we ain't scoring more than 12. I know that. Well, you average sixteen point seven points per game, you know, going into yeah. the game. So, right. with that being said, the Packers' defense is still a little bit below average. So, I gave you nineteen points, but we have Aaron freaking Rodgers, and I went off of T.J. Watt not playing. So, to your point about the Packers teeing off, I think you know the next three games for the Packers are really favorable. Uh, we got the Steelers, we got the Bengals, and we got the Bears. By the way, I just want to throw a little nugget in there because I like picking on the Bears. They average 90 passing yards per game. Ha, ha, ha. You suck. <laughs> Preston Fields is not the answer. Um, my score prediction is 36 to 19. 36 19. Yeah, I think that's a good – that's a fair – if you're saying with TJ playing. No, with without him playing. I think they're going to – Without him playing, yeah, I'd still say that's that's pretty fair. I'd say I, I, would, I would go with that. If TJ plays, we'll be in the twenties because he'll he'll yeah. affect some drives. Yeah. He'll pressure yep. Rodgers and he'll help stop the run. But I mean, and Cam Hayward. Oh, by the way, I was going to ask you this: Can you send Cam Hayward over to us? Because <laughs> no, the, the no, Packers need D line help, and I like Cam Hayward. <laughs> He's all we got. 
<laughs> I know he's so good though. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a monster. He, yeah, I love it, him. Two, it's underrated in my opinion, but yeah, thirty-six nineteen. What do you got, Tyler? I I also assume that this is based on on TJ Watt and the wide receivers not playing. Um, if I had to guess, I would say Deontay Johnson's going to play and Juju's not. But mm-hmm. uh, that being said, this is actually the first time that Rodgers is playing the Steelers at Lambeau in the regular season in his career. And yep. this is the only team that he hasn't beat in the regular season. Obviously, the Packers know that Rodgers beat the Steelers in the playoffs one time. Yep. But um, this is this would be the last team that he needs to beat, obviously, besides the Packers in the regular season. But like I said, I assumed Watt and Juju out, Deontay Johnson in. I said 34 to 24. Um, I think this is going to be a situation where the, where the Steelers will probably score a late touchdown, like a garbage time touchdown, yeah. something like that. And, you know, just uh, just some chip shots in there. But I do think the Packers um, don't really have a lot of trouble scoring. So four touchdowns and two field goals for 34 points doesn't seem doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm looking forward to this one. And, what's, your uh, prediction if, what's your prediction if Watt does play? Then I'd probably be somewhere around like 30 to 17, 28, 17, something like that. I'd take that. Yeah, I think okay. it'll be a lot lot more competitive with Watt playing. Watts, he's a, he's a Yeah, if player. Watt plays, it's going to be more competitive. I mean, yeah, a, lot of our, a lot of our scoring actually is plays that he – I mean, he's only played six quarters. He's already has two two forced fumbles and yep. what all those. He, he, it he's, benefits he's, you in the field position game, which is something that yep. people don't really think about when they think yep. about defenses. Is that having playmaking guys like that, like like Aaron Donald, for example, like when he gets pressure, he can help force turnovers. Like that helps your field position, which helps your offense. So your defense can directly help your offense. And T.J. Watt is an impact oh, yeah. player like that. Yeah, oh, he's, exactly. He's the best outside linebacker in the game. Right, That's how I feel. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. He, he, he's probably got robbed for defense player of the year last year, but right. I was going to say really he's a top two Aaron defensive Donald. player in the league. You can't really argue with Aaron Donald. So, right. I, no, I, no, okay, you, you want to go on a rant? We love rants on this show. So if you <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying you can. No, you, I'm saying like out of any, out of everybody that I would have caused the fuss about, I would have gave it to Aaron Donald. Yeah, him or those, him those or, two or, or TJ. They're they're the top two defensive players in the league, and everybody yeah. else is kind of down here. So right, right, right. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say robbed. I mean, I don't know that. I feel like they probably could have did like a co for a first yeah. time. Yeah. I've got both of them. You know what I mean? Because Watts' numbers were better, but but Donald's. You know, everybody's using four linemen to block the guy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's the only reason his numbers aren't completely insane. Yeah, that's what people didn't take into consideration. They're like, oh, Watt had like six more sacks. I'm like, bro, Aaron Donald literally gets blocked by three humans. Why the hell does he have 12 and a half sacks? That makes no sense. (laughs) Right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. (laughs) He shouldn't be sacking the quarterback. Oh, man. Talking about that, man. I loved watching that Rams-Buccaneers game, and I I just love when Tom Brady's crying, dude. Oh, my God. Literally nothing is better than watching Tom Brady cry and throw a fit. I yeah. still to this day watch the highlights of when the Packers beat the Patriots at Lambeau and Rodgers picks up a big first down in the fourth quarter and you just see Brady on the sideline. Like, 
and just lose his <laughs> shit. I'm like, oh my God, you're having a freaking hissy fit, you grown yeah. man. Oh, I love it. I, that's my favorite. I hate Tom Brady. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not jealous of him. I just eh, – I think he's an asshole in my opinion. But it is what it is. I won't deny what he's – I won't deny what he's done, but I can't stand him. You can't deny what he's done. I, res- I respect that he's been to so many Super Bowls and he's won them. And Yeah. I mean, everybody wants like, to – Like, like when it came to last like, year, I always bet against Tom Brady in Super Bowl. Like, all right, he can't win. He can't win this one. And I'd lose my money. So finally – it was when he went to the Bucks. I was just like, you know what? It was the game against the, uh, the Packers. It was, it was the game against the Packers. I said, whoever wins this is winning the Super Bowl, and they won that game. And like I was like, it's just Tom Brady. Like you just, you, like you just, okay. I just accepted it. Now it's just all right. He's he's just gonna win. The he's guy's just got a freaking mindset at this point. Yeah, you got Tom Brady. Like, yeah. your team it's just, just a lifestyle. He's just he's just bored. Like he's tossing them over to other boats and shit like bro <laughs> you give me one of those like i'm never letting go he's just like oh number seven okay you got that start on the pile <laughs> yeah did you yeah. see uh you see randy moss a couple weeks ago like week two he tossed it into the lake and it floated yeah <laughs> that was yeah. hilarious dude yeah oh, that was so funny i was gonna say I, when i saw it, i was like he didn't win no super bowl and then i <laughs> Oh man! Oh yeah! All right, you guys, you guys got anything else for Packers Steelers? No, I'm very excited for the game, though. I mean, yeah, I'm excited for the game. I hope it's a competitive game. I don't think it will be if we're going to keep playing the way we have been. You're probably right, well, hear next Kenny week, uh, Ryan. If you're available, we'd have we'd uh, enjoy having you back on to talk about the recap with us. If uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, my man. Take care. All right, man. Take care, and um, we'll uh, talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you next week. Peace out, buddy. All right, Jake. You got a weather report for this one? You got your Ron Burgundy jacket yet, or is it still coming? No, it's going to be coming here. I have to go back to my Packers notes. Hold on one second. I flipped over to Badgers first. But weather report for the Packer game. 69 degrees, 24% chance of rain. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and winds five to ten miles an hour. Um, <laughs> the weather really shouldn't be a factor. Uh, it's not super windy. It's not super rainy. Um, Sixty-nine degrees. So if the Packers win, it's almost a perfect day. If you ask me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. Uh, I wasn't expecting you to do it. That's the worst part. all right so we posted it on the page we're gonna talk about the badgers before we talk about the brewers just because we talked about it and we want to get the bad news out of the way first so we're gonna talk about the badgers yeah let's talk about the offense first let's get the worst of the worst out of the way and then we'll talk about the defense because there's at least some some silver linings there so let's talk about the badgers offense first christ dude um they have no identity man um, your identity is supposed to be run the ball, and then Mertz throws the ball 41 times. I get we were losing, yep, but Mertz throws the ball 41 times. He has two fumbles, he lost one of those, and he has four picks. Two of them went for pick sixes. Um, other one, you know, just gives a field position, and this kid's just not taking care of the ball. 
And I think a lot of that, I'm going to say this, how the Bears fans feel about Fields and about Nagy is how I feel about the Badgers. I feel like Nagy and Fields have to go hand in hand. The game plan and how you use his skill set, right? That's how I feel about Mertz and Chris. I feel like the game plan isn't built around his play style. And you brought up a great point about the play action, how the offense can succeed in that. And it really could, man. Watch watch the Russell Wilson days. They'd pound the rock, pound the rock, you know, do some play action, dump off to the tight end. You got your second level receiver coming across the field. Like there's a lot of ways that this offense can attack people, you know, but it's just it's just not working. And you know, the all the turnovers, we lost a turnover battle. We had five turnovers. The Badgers had five turnovers. The Badgers have never been a team to be able to come back from that. So having all those turnovers is just ridiculous. I mean, I thought Kendrick Pryor was pretty good. He had six for 69. Nice. And a touchdown. (laughs) And, you know, the craziest thing is Notre Dame didn't even have 250 total yards, and we gave up 41 freaking points. The Badgers took a 13-10 to lead and then gave up touchdowns on all three levels of the field. Yep. They gave up a kick return touchdown. They gave up a defensive touchdown, a passing touchdown, and then they gave up two touchdowns on offense to Notre Dame's defense. Yep. 31 points in 13 minutes. So you mentioned you mentioned Kendrick Pryor, who is somebody I'm happy to see being more involved. And unfortunately, his involvement came at the expense of Jake Ferguson. Yep. You need to it's I really like the Badgers' weapons that they have in their passing game. Kendrick Pryor, Jake Ferguson, uh, Danny Davis, and I'm excited to see what Kimmeray DK can bring. But you got to be able to get the ball to those guys for them to show what they can do. And that you know, we talked about it, and I mentioned the the little tight end screen play that they ran for Ferguson. Like that's a nice play. They have things they can do. Then that's where it comes back to your point of it falling on Chris. Yeah. They just they they abandoned the run so early in this game, just like they did with Penn State, and then they had to try to play catch up after the kickoff return touchdown. And that's not the way that Graham Mertz is going to be built to succeed. Graham Mertz, he could be a great quarterback when he's got a lead. His his average yards per completion was five point nine. He's not a downfield thrower. I mean, it's it's something that maybe he came in with. But it's it's not his identity in college right now. This was only his tenth start, but still, this is something he's he's really really coming into this Michigan game. Michigan game, he's really really in a do or die position where it's going to be Graham Mertz can only beat Eastern Michigan's, yeah, and Army and Purdue and Northwesterns. But he's never going to beat a Penn State. He's not going to beat a ranked Michigan team. He's not going to beat Iowa. They're not going to beat Notre Dame like they just had. They're playing Alabama in 2024. Like, that's... I mean, Graham Mertz could be gone by then, but unfortunately for all the people calling for Graham Mertz to be benched, Chase Wolf is not... He's really not any better. Chase Wolf got into the Eastern Michigan game. He threw a pick six to Eastern Michigan. Yeah, or we would have had a shutout. We would have had a shutout. The defense still had one, but the team didn't. 
So, I mean, calling for the benching of Mertz, it's it's not going to be any better. There's not a better quarterback waiting in the wings for it. So, unfortunately, we're going to ride with Mertz, and we just have to lower our expectations for the offense, sadly. It re- really, really sucks because, like, I, I predicted 30 points out of the Badgers last week because I believe in their run game. And they stopped running the ball after the first quarter. Like, this is what you are known for. You are known for being an offensive line you. O-line you is Wisconsin. You can say running back you is Wisconsin. James White, Corey Clement, Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor. They're all in the NFL right now. There's four solid Wisconsin running backs in the NFL. And there's tons of offensive linemen in the NFL from Wisconsin. The best right in the league is from Wisconsin. Ryan and, and you turn into like one of you. I mean, you could argue that Joe Thomas is like the best lineman, offensive lineman of all time from yeah, Wisconsin. Monster. And he didn't even go to the draft. That was an awesome day. But, anyways. <laughs> so, why you get away from, like Jake said, away from your identity, it absolutely baffles me when Notre Dame is a team that can't defend the run. Why would you stop doing the thing that they can't stop you from doing? Makes no sense to me either, buddy. So it's it sucks, but I'm I'm lowering my expectations for the Badgers offense. It's the offensive line is young. They're not they're not getting good push to start games. And I don't know if that's what's causing Chris to abandon the run, but the Badgers have usually been the type of team that like wears you down with the short, you know, two, three yard runs and then busts off a couple fifteen yarders. And then in the second half, they score an 80-yard touchdown. Isaac Arendo did it in the Eastern Michigan game. But they just abandon the run so early. You don't even get the chance for the the beating that you're putting on your team and the opposing defense to actually do something for you. So all, all they had to do was sit back and say, all right, we'll let Graham Mertz try to beat us, and it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah, Graham Mertz that. isn't going to beat you. We saw that one. And especially when you're not even trying to get the ball to your playmakers. Like I've been calling for Kendrick Pryor to get more involved and he finally did. But like I said, like Jake Ferguson was a guy who named didn't hear very much at all. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about the offense before we talk about the defense, but that's where I'm at. um, I'm at the point right now, really, where if the Badgers, you know, if they have another bad year, which Trending that way, obviously. And Mertz doesn't look like he's taking any steps. I think Chris has got to go. That's that's how I feel. It's just how I feel, man. Um, I know he has the the resume. He's been a pretty good coach, but I think we're we're at that point. You know, is his voice? It, it's like McCarthy's like he's actually not as bad as we say. You know, we just talk shit because we hate him because Rogers hates him and. He's an okay coach. He's an NFL head coach. And Chris is a is a good college coach. But I think maybe his voice has just run its course in the Wisconsin locker room. And it might be time for new leadership. That's how I feel. So for me, before it gets to a point where I'm calling for Paul Chris to be fired, as I would like to see play calling go back to Joe Rudolph, the offensive coordinator, and, and see if you can mix some stuff up. Like do something different besides – you know, the same five passing plays and nothing but power runs. 
Right. So the offense, um, my confidence is pretty low in the offense at this point. Um, but the defense is still fun to watch. So, I mean, there's that. Um, talking about the defense, I talked about it last week that Notre Dame gives up a lot of pressure on their quarterback, and the Badgers went and got six sacks in this game. It was, it was really a grind game until the fourth quarter. And the and even the even the two pick sixes, which were obviously in desperation time when you're trying to play catch up, like you know that's that's garbage time points for their defense. Basically, is that's what that is because the the Badgers are just trying to get back into the game. I will say the weak point of this defense is the secondary. Um, a lot of soft coverage out of the cornerbacks and a little bit out of the safeties. Um, I still I don't understand how that first touchdown gets confirmed. Yeah, um, Hicks had his arm in between the ball and the receiver's arms, and as they were going down to the ground, he pulled the ball out. So like he didn't complete the catch, but what they said was that he made the catch crossed the goal line and then fell and lost the ball. So like I don't I don't know if he hadn't crossed the plane of the goal line, if that would have been a fumble. I don't yeah. know, but because he scored before he lost control of the ball, that's a touchdown somehow. I just don't understand how going to the ground, the ball popping out as they're going to the ground, that that gets called a completed catch before that. I honestly don't know which catch was worse against the Wisconsin team. It was that one or the San Francisco one. I'm drawing a blank on the name right now. Um, who the hell's the one that caught it? Played for the Patriots and the Bengals. But oh, anyway, Sanu? Yeah, Sanu, Falcons. Um, he was going to the ground. He used the ground to gain control. And then Wisconsin, the corner caught the ball with him. Like, he didn't have control of the ball by himself and, like, he rips it out at the end, and I'm like, "No touchdown, no touchdown." They're like, "Touchdown!" Yeah, like that. Yeah, that's that. And, and there's be no points to review after that because if it's called on the field, and I looked at you know my girlfriend, I'm like, if that was called incomplete, and they looked at it, they, the play would have stood as complete. But because yep. they called it a touchdown, it just it was one of those situations. I was like, well, "That's a fucking touchdown now," you know. So yeah, that sucks. But yeah, the the weak spot of the defense is definitely the pass defense. If we're not getting pressure immediately. And pe- people can really just dice us up because Nelson's more of a, a run stopper, box safety. So we don't really have anything over the top. Obviously, we saw that in the Penn State game. Yeah, and the the corners just can't keep up with the the short, choppy feet of the receivers. So Notre Dame was able to work the ball along the sidelines a lot and not having to go anywhere near the middle of the field where all the batters, good linebackers are. Yeah. Yeah, that was – that was a sad game to watch, man. Oh, thank God. I mean, the Brewers and the and the Packers saved the weekend, I'd say. But that Badgers game was definitely a dark, rainy cloud over the state of Wisconsin for a little while. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Badgers versus Michigan. Um, this is going to be the best offense that the Badgers have played yet. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens. Michigan has a couple of good running backs. Uh, they have had some efficient quarterback play, but looking at their running backs, if Michigan tries to beat Wisconsin with the run, uh, that could be something that works in the Badgers' favor. Um, we talked about it when going into the Eastern Michigan game, that their strength was their running game, and the Badgers shut that down. So if Michigan wants to win this game, they're going to have to probably do it through the air, which unfortunately, like I said, is something that the Badgers struggle to defend. So 
hopefully they can work on it and get some things better done with the secondary to cover the pass a little bit better. But I do think the Badgers are still an elite rushing defense. So that's where I'm at with the defense. Um, how are you feeling about this one? Well, I feel exactly how you feel. Um, the Michigan averages 164 pass yards a game and 290 rush yards. And the Badgers give up 187 pass yards, and they give up 25 rush yards a game. 25. Like, that's crazy. So their power is our power. Our weakness is kind of their weakness. So kind of evens out. This is going to be a really, really close, low scoring. Um, I mean, Michigan barely beat Rutgers last week, and Rutgers looks like they're improved. So I'm kind of worried about that game if our offense doesn't figure some shit out. Um but yeah, it's this is going to be an old school Big Ten game. I mean, Michigan's averaging forty points per game right now, and the Badgers it says they're giving up twenty one. But after last week, it's a little bloated in my opinion. So they gave up sixteen and seven. So the Badgers defense is elite, still very good. If they get anything on the offense, they have a chance. But it's a big if right now. Um, it's going to be a good game, man. It's going to be low scoring, like I said. It's gonna it's going to be slobber knocker, man. It's going to be a little sloppy, but. That's just how the Badgers got to grind out games this year. Yeah, I said it before the show that I would take the over in the Packers game and the under in the Badgers game. Um, Michigan's holding their opponents to 11.33 points per game so far this year. So the Badgers, they really need both parts of their offense, the, the passing and the rushing, to be at the top of their games. And they can't abandon one or the other too early. They need to keep that balance, which is something the Packers are great at. And LaFleur definitely doesn't get enough credit for that with how well he balances the run in the pass, which is what got them into trouble in the New Orleans game was they, they were, they abandoned the run, but the Detroit and San Francisco games were much more balanced and the team did very well. The Badgers need to have that same balance. Graham Mertz should not be throwing the ball 30, 41 times a game. He should be in that 25 ish range. And yep. you should be running the ball because that's what you're good at. That's your identity. So that's what I want to see more from the Badgers. And then as far as Graham Mertz is concerned, like I said, this is kind of a like a do or die situation for him where it's going to be if he if he plays well, he can avoid being called, you know, a big game choker. Because if he goes into another game like this where he's playing another ranked top 15 team and struggles, that's going to be his identity. Graham Mertz is going to become the guy that can't beat good teams, which yep. he's very much at risk of for right now. And, you know, the more and more L's you take, the more and more that pressure, you know, feels a little bit heavier. And if the Badgers lose on Saturday on Barry Alvarez Day, I'm going to be fucking pissed. I'm going to be pissed if they lose on Barry Alvarez Day. Uh, with that being said, do you want me to do my weather report first or my score prediction? We'll do score predictions, and then we'll get your other report, and then we'll move on to the Brewers. That'll be a little okay. bit more better. To I have talk two about, score predictions, actually, because I couldn't decide. If Michigan gets the passing game going, it'll be 20-17 to 17 Michigan. That's the first time I've ever predicted a away team to win, but after everything I've seen, I just got to be honest with it. And if the Badgers stop the pass, and they're doing what they do, and they can get the run game going, Badgers will win 13-10. to 10. Ugly as hell. A lot of defense. Old school Big Ten. Barry Elvers would love it, honestly, if the Badgers came out with a W 13-10. So, 
those are my two score predictions. All right. So I have, I like your second one because I do think that that's within the realm of possibility because the Badgers do have an elite defense. But for me, I went 23 to 16 Michigan. I'm, I'm very much tempering my expectations of this offense. Um, if it does what it's capable of doing, I will be happy to be pleasantly surprised and be wrong about this type of prediction. But with Michigan being a solid passing team, I think they're going to be able to exploit the Badgers on that a little bit. Um, and then the Badgers, their offense, it's if, – if it was a, a green, yellow, orange, red situation as far as concern goes, like I'm in orange bordering on red as far as the offense is concerned. Yeah. Because they're they're so far away from doing what they do, and I just it sucks. But I don't have as much confidence in Graham Mertz as I did coming into the season. I agree. Definitely took a, definitely took a big hit in the confidence. All right, give me uh, let's give me uh, Jake Burgundy's weather report, and then we'll talk about the Bruce. Jake Burgundy. All right, so I keep saying it's gonna be an ugly game uh, because the weather. Looks like it could be a little wishy-washy um, weather report. We need to get a sound or something like that. Um, it's going to be 74 degrees. Uh, there's going to be rain early in the day and then scattered thunderstorms for the remaining of the day. So it could be a little bit overcasty, said clouds. So that's why I'm thinking grind it out old school football. This could, this could be a really fun game to watch. Well, I'm going to be hoping for rain then because that'll, that'll put the damper on uh, yes. Michigan's passing game. Actually, that was a... Pun not intended to put the damper on it. That was clever. I'm proud of that. <laughs> uh, again, not going to be super windy. Uh, wind southwest, 5 to 10 miles an hour. But hopefully it's wet, and hopefully the Badgers are running the ball down Michigan's throat. Hopefully hopefully we're in a position where Michigan is overranked and Wisconsin finds their footing, and we come into next week with a much more positive outlook. That's what I'm really hoping for. That would be nice. That would be the preferred yes. outlook there. All right, you got anything else, Badgers, before we talk about the Brewers? Uh, no. Uh, pretty soon we're going to start talking about basketball, and hopefully we're not here sitting sad talking about Madison. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited for Jonathan Davis. I'm just – that's what I'm looking forward to for Badgers basketball. So Jonathan Davis. shortly after the Bucks primer, we'll be able to do a Badgers primer. Yes, sir. All right, so let's talk about the first series that the Brewers finished with the Cardinals. There's two games in that series. Um, I just want to mention a couple of things with, with injuries. Jake Cousins is on the 10 day injured list. He'll be back before the playoffs. So that's good. Um, Devin Williams, unfortunately will not be back for the playoffs. He fractured his hand, punching a wall after being out, um, drinking after the celebration of the game winning on Sunday and clinching the division. Um, watching his press conference where he's he's sitting in the dugout with David Stearns and David Stearns is kind of briefing everybody what's going on. And then he hands it over to Devin Williams to explain what happened to me. And this is what I said in one of my group chats. I said that it seems like Devin Williams is in trouble with his parents and David Stearns is one parent that knows. And now Devin Williams has to tell his other parent what happened. Yeah. like he got And it's a very... Too. It's a very low energy type conversation. And Devin Williams is, you know, he's talking about it. You can tell that he regrets it, obviously. And 
talking about letting his teammates down because he knows he plays a big role. And it, it sucks. It sucks. Like this, we're talking about this being a potential triple crown year, and it's the Brewers' turn to to go and try to get this done. And now their setup man, one of their biggest pieces of their bullpen, the airbender thrower, and now he's only going to be available if the Brewers make the World Series. It sucks. And what really sucks is that Hater has been amazing. I posted it on the page the other day. Since 2017, he's got the best strikeout per nine innings at 15.3. 15.3 strikeouts per nine innings for Josh Hader. Holy shit. That's insane. Yeah, it is. Josh Hader hasn't given up a run since August 1st. Knock on wood. Josh Hader is a stud. And now it's probably going to be Brad Boxberger that's going to move into that setup role. And, you know, maybe Hunter Strickland slides into that seventh inning role. And and Aaron Ashby kind of becomes a bigger deal. So, I mean, if Aaron Ashby gets to pitch in these playoffs, some he can show off some he can show off some nuts. I mean, that would be huge props to Aaron Ashby to be a rookie and to pitch well in the playoffs. So, I'm gonna hope for that. Um, Jake Cousins will be involved, but let's start. Let's let's just run through these Cardinals games quick because I don't want to talk about them very much because they suck. But Um, so the first game. Uh, Brewers got their asses kicked ten to two. Uh, yep. it was the 11th, at this point, you know, uh, we'll we'll fast forward to the future in a little bit here. Uh, it was their eleventh straight win for the Cardinals. Uh, Brett Anderson just didn't have it, and it was six to zero Cardinals after the second. And yep, the Brewers only have four hits, so that's that's pretty much the entire game recap for you in thirty seconds. Brewers didn't have it. Brett Anderson didn't have it. Cardinals are on fire. It is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the errors didn't help, but this is something now where, like, the Brewers know what they're doing here. They're they're preparing for the postseason. Yep. Um, Gustave pitched two and two thirds. Norris pitched two and two thirds. Strickland pitched an inning. Jace Peterson pitched an inning. Um, and yeah, I mean, you you touched on basically all the important things. Only four hits. Anderson didn't have it. Anderson's really going to need to to bounce back in his next outing if he wants to make the postseason roster. Yep. So this is what I said is you can change after every series in Major League Baseball. So what I could see is Anderson being left off during the Braves series um, because it's a five-game series, so you may not need as much pitching in that, uh, and then bringing him back for a potential NLCS. But, um, I mean, Anderson, he's kind of auditioning right now because of how well Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser are pitching. Um, And that's what we're going to move into when we talk about the next game. But um, as far as this game goes – I mean, they're down early, and at that point, it's just get out healthy. So yeah. that's what that's what it is there. Um, moving into Thursday's game, another YouTube game, which I really I enjoy the YouTube broadcast, but I'd like yeah, to see the Brewers win once. I, I watched most of that game. That was good. Oh, it was so fun because I was listening to it on my way home, and then I got home and I started watching it, and I was listening to Tyrone Taylor come up to bat with the bases loaded and, and hearing Euchre. And then hearing, you know, the you know the sound when you hear the get up, get up, get out of here. And it's like, no, Tyrone Taylor didn't. He just hit another grand slam. I was at the White Sox game when he hit his first one. So that was his second grand slam of the season. Got up a second time, hit another home run. So he hit two home runs off of Adam Wainwright in this game, had a five-nothing lead, and then did nothing the rest of the game except give up runs. 
Yep, eight unanswered. And Colts all five of your RBI runs. came from one player. Yep. And the Which first sucks because games. Adrian Hauser had a good start in this game. He had six innings, five hits. He only gave up one run. He did have two walks and three strikeouts, but he faced 23 batters and threw first pitch strikes to 17 of them. We talked about it with his when he threw his complete game shutout. He threw tons of first pitch strikes, got heads and counts, and that's how he did well. That's what he did well in this game. That he didn't do well in his last game was first pitch strikes. So after six innings and you're up five to one, you need to win that game. 100%. It's, I mean, it sucked because Jake Cousins struggled. He's been pretty good this whole season, um, but he struggled this game. Then, like I mentioned, he's gone to the 10 day injured list. Um, Boxberger, shaky. He's up and down recently. And unfortunately, Aaron Ashby took the loss. Um, kind of a trial by fire situation here with Aaron Ashby, um, which I'm okay with. I mean, as far as going through this, um, Aaron Ashby is going to be a starter, so he's he's going to be a starter eventually. But putting him in a situation, a high leverage situation against a good Cardinals team in a high pressure situation, getting him some experience, like I just mentioned, if he can be a key X factor for the Brewers in the playoffs. That would be huge, especially in the absence of Devin Williams. So putting him in a high-pressure situation, I'm good with him getting that experience. He hadn't given up a run in his last eight innings pitched. So if you look at that from a starter you know, position, eight innings scoreless is pretty good. Um, Willie Adamas, Tyrone Taylor, Lorenzo Cain, two hits each. Colton Wong and Manny Pena each had one. It's... You you got to win a game when you're up five to one after the sixth inning. Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. And that completed the four game sweep of us, and that was the Cardinals' twelfth in a row, which is insane. I mean, Paul Goldschmidt just beat up the Brewers pitching two days in a row, basically. Yep. Yep. It did. All right, let's move on to let's move on to the fun series. Let's talk about the Brewers and the Mets. Well, you were at the Friday game, I believe, right? Nope, I was at last. That was at the previous one. Oh shit! I'm done for this year. That's why I said we got to go to a, a Brewer game in the Deer District. <laughs> so in this one, uh, Wong, Adamas, and Yelich all homered, and Lauer had a very good outing. Uh, six and two thirds, one earned run, nine Ks. He did have two walks, but the Brewers got back to their winning ways, winning five to one. And I, what day did I text you? I think it was Wednesday. I think it was after our show last week. And I talked about how, like, it would be nice if the Brewers can win a freaking game. And then they lost Thursday, and I was like, Jesus Christ, like, I'm starting to get a little worried. And then they win on Friday, and I'm like, okay, the sky's not falling anymore, you know. And it was kind of nice to see a Yelich home run. Kind of forgot what that looked like for a little while. <laughs> so this game, Eric, I want to give Eric Lauer some credit. He threw 39 pitches in the first inning. Yeah, he did. The pitch count was getting away from him. And Willie Adamas had a web gem in the first inning of this game, but uh, the bases bases were loaded, and he got out of it only giving up one run. Now, when you look back at it, the Brewers won that game five to one. So, like you know, he could have given up two or three runs, and it wouldn't have mattered. But um, getting out of that jam in the very beginning of the game turned out to be part of what won them the game. So yeah. Eric Lauer struggling through a first inning. 
but still remaining effective and getting to be able to pitch six and two thirds after a 39 pitch first inning. I mean, Eric Lauer is still doing impressive stuff. Yeah. So those nine strikeouts that you mentioned that tied his career high. So he tied his career high in strikeouts. Um, Suter and Hader came in, finished the game. No hits um, after the first until the top of the seventh inning. So Eric Lauer went from 39 pitch first inning, didn't give up any hits until the top of the seventh. And then once he gave up a hit, Craig Council came and pulled him out. So Eric Lauer, he's he's probably the fourth starter in the playoffs okay just, to, just to have the, the lefty in between um, Hauser and the big three. So uh, very excited for Eric Lauer. His, he, was, he was throwing a high fastball that nobody could touch. And he throws it like eight or nine miles an hour slower than Josh Hader does. But mixing his high fastball with the slider that he was throwing, like Lauer was dealing in this game. So I'm excited to see what Lauer can do with a playoff start. But they ended their their losing streak, and that's what's important. The top three batters, like Jake mentioned, all hit home runs. Um, when you factor that in, you talk about Colton Wong, Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich, Eduardo Escobar, Avi Garcia, Omar Narvaez, the first baseman, even Luis Urias. This Brewers lineup has power, and it can it can score runs. Yes, sir. Whether it will or not in the playoffs, that's what remains to be seen. But like we've like we've said, you really only need four runs to win a game uh, with the Brewers pitching. Hopefully, they're able to cover up the absence of Devin Williams with their depth. But um, let's talk about the second game of this series with Corbin Burns. The second game, you know, I'm starting to feel about the Brewers like they're kind of going back to where they were at the beginning of the year where they're struggling to hit, struggling to score runs, and they're still getting great pitching, and that's exactly what we got out of this game. Um, you know, Corbin Burns, again, just this is what we expect out of him, dude. We expect seven innings, we expect one earned, and we expect nine Ks. I mean, sometimes he doesn't even give up any earned runs. You know, he's just – he's that damn good. You know, he, he's our Aaron Rodgers on this team. He's the best thrower on the team, in my opinion. I I think he's the best pitcher. I mean – I agree. Hater's, Hater's pretty good. I mean, Woodruff's pretty good. Peralta's – when he's on, Peralta's pretty pretty incredible to watch too. But Burns is kind of just that guy, you know. Yeah, when you're he's, that guy, yeah he's number one. Yeah, he, he's just that guy, you know. I mean, he had seven innings, one earned, nine Ks. And I always write it down. I always write the hits down and – they only had four hits again, but they found a way to get two runs out of those four hits, you know, and that's drew the, six walks. I know, but that's, that's the shit where it's like, that's where, when you hear people say, I don't trust the Brewers offense. And then we see them, you know, you watch all the games and you see them score eight and you see them, which they did the next day and you see them score 10 and 12. And then you see them hitting home runs and RBI doubles and grand slams and, you're like this team can this team can put some shit together, but then they just go on a streak where they did this last week where they're just not getting hits, not not I mean, and not getting hits when they need to. You know, with people in position, and it's frustrating. Really, it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of where I'm at. I guess I was just in kind of a shitty mood that day. <laughs> Brewers ended up winning, but yeah. I, I, it's just frustrating to watch that. I don't want us to have to win two to one. You know, that's just how I yeah. feel. So, Willie Adamas had another web gem in this game in the ninth inning. 
Um, Corbin Burns is back to his Cy Young pitching ways. You mentioned the seven innings, only gave up one run, nine strikeouts. Corbin Burns is still first in strikeouts per nine innings. He's the lowest walks per nine innings, and he's got the lowest home runs per nine innings. And since since Max Scherzer joined the Dodgers in 10 games, they have a plus 41 run differential. So uh, on average, Max Scherzer is pitching with a four-run lead, and the Brewers in nine games in that or nine starts in that span for Corbin Burns have a plus 25 run differential, which means Corbin Burns is getting about a 2.8 run lead. So Corbin Burns is pitching in in much tougher games and much more two to one, three to zero, you know, three to two type games and not 10 to zero, seven to four, seven to two, six to one, five to zero games like Scherzer's pitching. So Burns is doing more high leverage stuff than Max Scherzer, but it's not going to factor in because he doesn't play in LA. But um, let's talk about the Sunday game of this series. Well, the Sunday game was exciting. Um, this was actually the game that the Brewers clinched. I mean, clinched the division. So that was, like I said, the Brewers and the Packers saved the weekend. And the first thing that happened was was uh, the Brewers. And I love the video at the end of it before I get into the stats was they well, they were taking the photo and they told Uke to get in there. And he dove on the ground. And, oh, man, I love Uke. That guy is 87 years old moving around like that. That's Fucking incredible. Dude. He's young at heart. Yeah, he really does. Um, so, anyways, in the first inning, uh, Lindor homered for them. And then right away, Adamas is just like, yeah, whatever you can do, I can do better. William and- Adamas is a treasure. He's He is seriously a treasure of this team. Like, even yeah. when he's – like I said it with Kristen, even when he's not playing, he's, like, just, like, watching Willie Adamas. He loves what he's doing. He, he just loves being a baseball player. So, I love Willie Adamas so much. Yeah. Um, well, it was also, you know, they honored Ryan Braun this day. And all weekend they were, you know, honoring people. And hearing Giovanni Gallardo's name this weekend was like, holy shit, dude. I used to and love Carlos him. Gomez. Yeah. I mean, Gomez, Gogo, he could run so fast. And he was a gold glover. But I used to love Giovanni Gallardo, man, when I was a little kid, dude. Yeah. He was awesome. Yep. Um, the Mets were sloppy in this game. Uh, they had three errors. And, uh, they took the they actually took the lead in the top of the six, the Mets did, but they had two errors in the bottom of the six, which allowed the Brewers to, you know, score three runs. And it really just allowed the Brewers to really win this game. Uh Freddie had a pretty good outing. I mean, he gave up four on runs, but five K's. He gave up five. He pitched five and a third. Ten and five. Ten wins for for Freddie. I'm gonna have to go back and see how many wins I picked. I think I picked like 15. I think you said fourteen. Fourteen or fifteen, yeah. So I mean, pretty close. I knew that if Freddie did that, the Brewers would be good because you know what Woodruff and Burns are going to do. Like, you coming into the year, you were like, Woodruff and Burns are good. So I'm thinking in my head before the season, I was like, if Freddie's good, we are going to be good. And that's really what I wanted. So Freddie's been a beast. Like I told you before the show, Freddie Peralta, he's got the the lowest opponent batting average since 1920. That is insane. Opposing teams are batting 162 against Freddie Peralta. That is insane, dude. That, that is that is insane. The the cool thing about this game, I'll I'm gonna mention real quick. Um Brent Suter, Aaron Ashby, Devin Williams, Josh Hader combined for three and two thirds scoreless innings, only gave up two hits, struck out six. Um uh, the cool thing about this game, 
was Ryan Braun retirement day, appreciation day. Number eight day, they score eight runs on eight hits on yeah. Ryan Braun day. So yeah. that was cool to see. And the Brewers clinched the division. They have um, five games remaining. They need three wins to break the franchise record. The franchise record is 96 wins. So three wins in the last five games will get them a new franchise record. But that's not what I'm concerned about. So getting back to the Cardinals and talking about this last game, the the concern here is not franchise record. It's not how many games can we win. It's setting and tinkering with the lineup so that your starters are aligned the way you want them for the playoffs. And it's about getting through the end of the season healthy. So let's talk about this last game real quick because I mean these last five games, they don't it's not that they don't matter, but they don't mean a ton in the grand scheme of things. So let's just run through yeah. this one real quick. So I mean after losing Devin Williams you're really concerned about the health of your team. So to your point, they're really just going to be trying to yep. be like, let's play nine innings of baseball and stay healthy. You know, let's hit some baseballs and stay competitive. And there's something that's apparent in this game to me that, that backs up what I'm saying for that reason. So, yep. Um, you always have a, you always have supporting arguments for your stuff. So I appreciate that. I try to, I want to make it seem like I'm smart and I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this ended up being, the Cardinals 17th game or win in a row, which was absolutely crazy. Uh, Urias uh, had a two run homer. Uh, the Brewers led two to zero. And the craziest part about this game was that Woody was pulled after, you know, four innings. He only had 63 pitches and two earned runs. The Brewers ended up losing this game six to two. I guess for me, I would like to see the Brewers at least win one or two of these games. I mean, to show that, like, yeah, we can beat the Cardinals not that we're just losing every single game against them but I mean the Cardinals already clinched the second wild card spot so they're not really yep. playing for anything either yep. they can't win the division or anything so yep. I guess we'll see what happens but yeah not, not much really to report I didn't get to watch any of the game I was stuck at work pretty long yesterday so you mentioned already Woodruff only four innings 63 pitches yeah. Um, to me, the combination of Woodruff having a short outing and then the pitchers used after that which were Yandel Gustave Hobie Milner and John Norris that they're those are three guys that are probably not making the playoff roster that council is keeping guys healthy. Yep. He's going to use them less. He's going to let them get rested for the postseason. Brandon Woodruff, same thing. He's letting him get rested for the postseason. Um, I don't know that you'll even see Brandon Woodruff in the regular season. Again, they have five games left. I think what this is doing is it's setting up Brandon Woodruff to start game one of a series. 100%, yeah. I, I would have thought that maybe Corbin Burns would have been the guy to go with, but I think Burns is probably going to make one more start before the end of the season. Um, and then um, it'll be Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, Lauer, Hauser for the playoffs. So um, the thing with this game, the last thing I want to say about it is you've got to score more than two runs with nine hits. Yeah. We just mentioned the day before on Ryan Braun day, they had eight hits and scored eight runs, obviously errors and such help with that. But you get nine hits, you got to score more than two runs. You got to give me at least four or five. That's just how I feel about it. That's more efficient, man. Right. It's, it's the efficiency of it. It's, it's getting guys on base and then getting them in and not just getting guys on base and then striking out or grinding into double plays. Right. Like, it's like when you think about third downs. We didn't even bring this up when we were talking about Badgers. 
the Badgers were one for 14 on third down. Yeah, I posted um, that one on the page with the yikes Wazowski. Yeah. Um, that was rough. That's rough. When you get that many hits in baseball, nine, ten hits, you got to score four or five. It's an At least. Thing. That's just Especially when you get two runs off of one hit. Yeah, right. Oh, and they always – I feel like they just rely so much on the long ball, man. It's crazy. And they don't have to. Like, they can use – like, Colton Wong, you could have Colton Wong, Yelich, and Willie Adamas, and you could easily conceive three consecutive doubles and be up two to nothing out of the first three batters in your lineup. Yeah, right. Like, I I don't know. It is what it is. We're going to find out tonight if Brewers got what it takes. Hopefully they can get another win, man. Like I said, five games left. If they win three, they break the franchise record. I'm not concerned about it. Yeah. Like, yes, it would be cool. But I'm not concerned about breaking that record. Um, I'm ready for the playoffs next Wednesday. We'll get to do a playoff primer for the Brewers, which is cool because it feels like it's been a while since we've talked about one of our teams in the playoffs. Because the Bucks were the last one that we had that opportunity to do that. But um, so we'll have a, a Brewers playoff primer next week. Uh, we don't want anybody to forget. We're going to talk about it probably every single time we get the chance. November 4th, live show, Green Bay Parker Johns, Thursday night, 6.30. Come hang out with us. Uh, we're working on planning some cool stuff, some fun stuff to make sure um, people have fun and we get engaged and um, hopefully have some fun guests there and um, get to interact with with fans of the show. So um, go Brewers, go Packers. Hopefully a bounce back game for the Badgers. And um, I will see you next week unless you've got anything else. No, nah, man. Uh, hopefully it's a much better sports week. I do not want to be crabby on Saturday, Wisconsin. Barry Alvarez day, god damn it. Let's go. What Did Barry Alvarez have a number when he was coaching at all? No. Hmm. Bummer. I was going to say, if he was like number 79, if the Badgers could score 79 on, on number 79 day, like, they, like the Brewers did for Ryan Braun. <laughs> if the Brewers score 79 on Wisconsin, or if the Badgers score 79 on on Michigan. I will go streaking. <laughs> like, full nude streaking. Come on, Badgers offense. All right. Actually, no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> uh, I think my girlfriend's going to kill me when I go upstairs now. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later, bud. See you next week. Let's go, Brewers. Right, later, y'all. Go, Petco. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.